You're listening to The Gentleman's Guide to Midnight Cinema with Big Willie and the Samurai, bringing class to trash since 1977. All right, everybody, welcome to the GGTMC. We are all three back together for episode Trace 416. Quattros. Yes. All the three amigos, the Trace Quattros, the <laughs> three dudes talking about bodily functions and coffee cups. <laughs> <laughs> three middle, As if there was anything else. Three middle-aged men. <laughs> yes. Uh, no, the, we are back. Um, I got a little bit of head cold. But I'm happy to be back. And then, of course, there's Will across the border from both Todd and I, who are over here on this side. Yo. There we go. Uh, this week, we are covering Brain Damage, the Frank and Lauder uh, joint, 1988, and uh, Cops vs. Thugs. Kinji Fukasaku. Is it Kinji or is it Kinji? Cause I think I, it's just Kinji. Yeah, Kinji. I almost yeah. felt like uh, when I was watching some of the special features that some other people were saying Kinji. Anyway. Either way, it's a fun name to say, right? Kenji Fukasaku. Sure is, man. Almost as much fun to say as Bunta Sugagaro. <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> Bunta down. don't play. Yeah. Bunta is a real life, like, to me, he's, well, I'll talk about it when we get to the show, but, or when we get to the review, but uh, to me, he's like the epitome of like a, almost like a, a hand-drawn cartoon character, like, come to life. He's so, yeah. he's so yeah. angular with his hair and his face. <laughs> Oh, big time, man. So, so tightly coiled. Yeah. An interesting looking guy. Um, yeah. yeah, that's what we're, ta- we're talking about. Those are both courtesy of Aero Video, by the way. Um, as you guys know, we are in partnership with them. And it's it's interesting. I, I, I Sometimes, you know, we've talked about this off the show, too, so I'll talk about it now. We've talked about how we're so behind on Aero Video releases and, and covering them and stuff and sponsorships. And I know some people get tired of it, but the truth is, and I've probably said this before, but the truth is, Arrow puts out the kind of stuff that we would probably cover anyway mm-hmm. at some point. It just, 100%. That's why we align with them in the first place. Yeah. I mean, really, we don't work with anybody else because they don't. Well, I mean, Vinegar does a little bit, obviously, and Kino does. 
But I mean, most of these releases, every time Arrow puts out like a new release thing, I'm like, oh, well, you know, that was on my list to cover at some point anyway. So it's crazy to me um, that they put these things out. And these two, I'm sure we would have came across sooner or later. I know we would have done brain damage at some point because I'll explain why uh, when we get to it. Uh, that, that tease. <laughs> All right. So, uh, yes, I've been away for a while. Uh, thanks, everybody, for the patience. Just had some things we had to deal with here at the homestead. Everything's good. Life is good. Uh, the head cold is not good, but everything else is working. And let's be real, Sammy. Baby oil wrestling matches ain't going to win themselves. I had a slight baby oil injury that uh, put me down for a few weeks. It doesn't uh, slide as yeah. much as you'd like in certain um, situations. Uh, maybe put a little too much on the third leg. But the, yes. uh, <laughs> did, did you pop it open like the guy from Three Dog Night? It slid, it slid, let's just put it this way. I inappropriately slid into the wrong area. Uh, we've all, we all may have experienced that. foreign that. object. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no. But, uh, yeah, just thanks, everybody. I, I appreciate the patience. And the, I appreciate Will and Todd holding the fort down and everybody else helping out. So. That's what we do. You guys did it for me last year, man. Yep. We just uh, we keep on keeping on, right? Yep, yep. We will. Decade of decadence. <laughs> That's right. Heading into our tenth year at yeah, the GTTMC. This is crazy. And also, thanks everybody for contributing to that thread on Facebook recently. Those that listen to the show and are on Facebook, uh, seeing all those films we still haven't covered, it's just like it's it's amazing to me too. Sometimes because you know we've done a thousand movies. We've done we've talked about a thousand movies at this point. That's crazy. I know. Crazy. And there's still so much more to talk about. Thousands oh, yeah. more films to talk about. So it's just, we'll never run out of material. We'll never run out. It's just impossible. So. No, no, we won't. And I think that once um, once I get through some of the Toys for Tots picks, I want to go back to that thread just as a little yeah. kind of thank you or whatever you will to the people. Because, you know, it's we're a show for the people, by the people, right? So. Yeah. Just think about the films that have been like our best of films for like the last 10 years. And, you know, that's 300 films or some craziness. Yeah. And we don't, we don't typically cover a lot of more contemporary releases. So just think if we just went back like 10 years and started covering stuff. We, we just, oh, I mean, it's crazy. We just got so much material to talk about. So we'll be here. We'll be here as long as you'll have us. Three fingers yes. deep in your ear hole. Uh, that's right <laughs> not to be crass that's right <laughs> that's right that's right <laughs> all right well, let's get in what we've been watching todd or yeah we'll defer to todd first because he hasn't spoke much this morning yet todd what have you been watching lately what you watch uh, uh outside of uh the movies for the show and the blog absolutely nothing oh. it's been a sad sad week well i've had several of those type of weeks when it comes to movie watching so i know how you feel i know how you feel well, okay. We'll just uh, we'll uh, mosey on over to uh, Large William. What have you been watching, bud? Anything? <laughs> uh, well, I can say I'm happy to say I've resurrected the ice cream book. Oh, nice. Live... <laughs> Man, this thing was like on the shelves for about a year. Is that what that picture of the cone was for? <laughs> I know, I, for real, man. No, it's uh, <clears throat> oh, um, it it was just something that I, I, you know, I didn't get away from for any particular reason. Just, you know, what I think it was. I was trying to think about this. I still watch a fair bit of physical media, but with Plex and with Netflix and with Hulu and with this and with that, I wasn't going upstairs as much to my uh, or our uh, <laughs> sort of movie room, right? So. That's where I keep the ice cream book. 
And uh, for those who don't know, that's the book where I write every film and that I've watched and give it a score and stuff. And uh, I don't know. I just I got away from it and I was just posting photos and IMDb and stuff. And I felt like there was a bit of a trail of bread comes that way. Um, yeah. But it's January now. New year. New me. So our old me. Uh, so I figured I'd get back to it. Um, yeah. I think I'm going to get back to mine, too. I've gotten away from mine, too, man. It's just... Oh, crazy, man. See? I, I use Letterboxd so much, you know, for to keep my to keep track of what I've watched that I just don't... Uh, I've gotten away from the ice cream book. But there's something about that tangible uh, book that you carry around. The coffee stains, the ice cream stains, yeah. obviously, we've talked about. Protein how, stains. Yeah, that's how it's... Oh, whoa. The, uh, protein gets out protein. <laughs> yes. The... Uh, there's just something about that that kind of tangible you know those those crinkly pages and and writing that down and of course it is easier i will say this and i know you agree it is easier keeping up with what your favorite watches of the year are if oh you gosh yeah because <laughs> otherwise i gotta go back into my letterbox and look at what i rated things and that, that scroll can be, through yeah it's be a bit of a nightmare yeah i keep one next to i keep one uh next to my couch but i don't really i i tend well nowadays i don't really tend to make as many notes as i used to Yep. Whether that's mm-hmm. through sheer tiredness or just laziness, I couldn't say. But yeah, no, it's fair, man. You know, peaks and valleys, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, no, totally. Um, there's some stuff that got chopped out of our last episode. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Just through technical challenges, some, some but I'll like just 40, zip through a few of the ones like that I've spoken about. Forty-five minutes, last. forty-five to fifty minutes of stuff. Oh man, we were going long cool. and strong like an episode of Silver and Gold with the Zom watches, but yeah. we, you know, lost but no Zom twos. I don't think no Zom twos in there. <laughs> no Zom twos. Uh, my kids have been bugging me to watch it, and I really didn't want to let them watch it, man. I just felt like you know what, it's going to be too intense and blah blah blah. But I said, okay, Happy Medium, let's watch it, the made for TV series. I, I saw it a number of times as a kid, loved it. Um, figured what the heck, let's do that one. It's relatively tame, kind of a good maybe bridge thing to see how they do with it. Uh, we watched it. We split it over two nights, of course. Um, they quite liked it. Uh, Tim Curry, of course anchors it quite well um they go to his like <laughs> like his like fang reveal every time sort of he was gonna scare one of the kids like they go to that well so many times it almost becomes like a drinking game um but he really is great and i think made for tv in a time when tv wasn't what it is today yeah well would, yeah, would you would you say that they go to the pennywise uh fang reveal well as much as in the folds of the flesh goes to that vulture in the cage, well, <laughs> maybe more, man. If you can believe more? it, more. They do. Honestly, like every scene ends with him going, <laughs> <laughs> like the slow zoom into his like fangs, man. I'm telling you, every time. But it's it's got a lot. He brings a lot of energy. And I'd said to my kids, I said, you know, this actor is one. Like I always think, you know, I always kind of lump him and Raul Julia in together, and a few others that. Just tremendous charismatic talents that never really, through choice or through bad luck or whatever, just weren't as their body of work won't be looked at as with as much reverence as some of the heavy hitters. But I think they're just as talented. Oh, you know? yeah, that, I'm glad you, I'm glad you brought that up. I love Tim Curry. He's one of the great. Oh God, he's so good. Yeah, he's really he really is. He was you know he had a stroke. I guess I don't know what it was five or ten years ago or whatever. So he hasn't done obviously a whole lot. And I yeah, think, I think he's doing okay, but. Uh, man, I miss him. He is me too. He is amazing, and you know a lot of the great makeup performances of the '80s were Tim Curry, and of course, you know he has 
even though I'm not a huge fan of Rocky Horror, that performance is uh, one for the ages, you know, and it's just yeah. big time. It's amazing, and and I'll I'll fight for Ridley Scott's legend strictly because of his performance as uh, Darkness as the uh, agreed the main uh, the main heavy and then legend. He he is amazing in that very large uh, makeup ensemble. As a matter of fact, it took me years to even realize it was the same guy underneath all that makeup. So oh, for sure, they that's yeah, and that keeps happening. Go ahead, it was like that. It was like the Frank Langella Skeletor kind of thing. You're like, is that who I think it is? <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, that's it's actually, crazy. But that's, that's actually my favorite thing about man. Masters of the Universe too. Is that Frank Langella Skeletor performance? <laughs> that's amazing. I gotta show my kids that one. Mm. I gotta show my kids that one. That'd be a yeah, fun. Yeah, and I, I'm, um, with, I'm with you. My son, my son too. What is it with these kids? My, my son too. He's seven, and he kind of thought he wanted to watch it. And uh, I can see the attraction. I'm talking about the newer film. But, yeah, I, yeah. but I watched the trailer a couple of times, and I'm like, if it's even half as intense as this trailer is, that's going to be a little too much for my son. I, I mean, I know my son, so yep. uh, I just knew that was not his. Uh, that was not in his ballpark. So I thought about showing him the TV series because I've only seen it once, to be honest with you. And I, I, I recall loving similar to the book. It I recall loving three fourths of it. Yep. And not loving the last fourth of it. Too oh, much. the finale is pretty yeah. weak. Yeah. And that's the same criticism the book gets too. Although I think the book is that's right. a Stephen King thing, though, yeah. right? Yeah, yep. It tends to be. He, even he admits yeah. he ends can't stick the landing. Yeah, even he admits he can't uh, always uh, land very well. But doesn't matter. Well, the meat's there, right? The meat is there. The meat is there. Um, I'll get to the new it in a few minutes. Oh, actually. nice, nice. You saw it. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I will now. And, and I, I said before, man, I'm in I'm in territory with my kids where. You know, Sam, you and I have talked about this many times with the child rearing, and I'm sure Todd and I have, or all three of us have at some point, but the older I get, the less self-righteous I am. And I used to think to myself, like, hey, live and let live when it comes to parenting, to a degree, as long as you love your kids and it's not. But I think, ooh, man, you let your kid watch that. But I, I see now, man, your kids get older, and, you know, you, you want to share some things you love, as long as there's still some boundaries, right? Like, yeah. I'm not going to throw on Texas Chainsaw or any sort of real-world <laughs> violence for some time, but... Yeah. Um, well, they work yeah, you anyway. too, man. They work you. They work you hard. You know, they. Oh man, they, they don't grind, but <laughs> they don't give up. <laughs> they're they're like they are like the full court press, man. I mean, they wear you out. Yeah, it's actually they're funny. watching these YouTube videos and. Yeah. It's funny because uh, I'll I'll talk about when I talk about what I've been watching. I'll talk about how my son's crossed over into the uh, a little bit into the more quote unquote uh, grown up fair and nice. And he's starting to head that way too, and we're starting to relate on a different level, so. which is cool. I mean, now you're getting into this next level of kind of loving film and really being able to share little snippets of things you love with your kid versus, mm -hmm. like, you're able to give them what you love in some way versus um, fitting that square peg into the round hole of still film, but it's a, a kids, a new kids film type thing. So it's like they're getting away from the baby steps, right? Which is pretty cool. Yep. You know, um, speaking of getting the kids away from the baby steps and into the fucking roundhouse kicks, man, my kids did blood sport. And I felt like this was going to be an amazing, amazing event for me um, <laughs> as a father. And it was. Nice. <laughs> we did this over the Christmas holidays. You know, we had like a lazy day. And I was like, you know what? Fuck this, man. We're, I, I didn't say that out loud. Um, like, we're putting on blood sport. So we put on blood sport. My kids went bananas for blood sport <laughs> man because they've seen some irony they've seen a couple slides like over the top man they went crazy they were having kumite well Braden was having a kumite with his stuffed animals afterwards like 
you know, Bolo, I, I, I busted out the Bolo line about him getting mad, tearing off his jacket. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, the kids went crazy for it. And it's funny to see now the characters my kids gravitate. I said this to Todd last week, which you got lost. Characters my kids gravitate towards, like secondary characters. Like in this, I always gravitate towards like the Brazilian guy who kind of hunkers around in retrospect, you know. Oh, yeah. The Muay Thai guys, whatever. Yeah, like the uh, Brazilian kind of black dude that's kind of, he's on the floor a lot and he's hunkering around. And Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, I liked him, uh, you know, sort of a secondary character in the uh, first time I'd seen it as a kid. But William was like, yeah, I hope he does well. But anyway, they loved it. It went over great. I decided I'm going to drop no retreat, no surrender on them. Oh, nice. So I should have done this in reverse order because <laughs> no retreat, no surrender seems so chintzy ass compared to Bloodsport. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Corey that, Yoon directed it. So. And that's saying something, really. Think about Dude, it. Dude, <laughs> it makes Bloodsport look like um, like an epic, like like uh, like uh, fucking Ten Commandments. I mean, it really does. It's so chintzy, and it's really goofy. And I didn't realize Corey Yoon had worked over here like b- that far back, but uh, it's still fun. I mean, I had fun with it. It's one of those, you know, we talk about those cinematic Valentines, and my kids kind of stomped on it and threw it on the floor. You know, little bit. Keep going. Come on, guys! No, it's gonna get good. Come on! No, here's the big fight. No, that's Bruce Lee's ghost, man. Looks fucking nothing like Bruce Lee, of course. You know, but uh, whatever. It's still. I had fun revisiting it. Nice. Um, we went to see Star Wars as a family. Um, I wasn't feeling it for the first forty-five minutes. I just felt too heavily kind of um, reverent and aware of what it was. But then it kind of cut loose and it started to have fun. So I started to have fun. Um, Adam Driver, even though he's, you know, obviously, you know, gets a lot of flock online for being sort of emo in this role. It's it's a bit of a thankless role in the grand scheme of things, but I think he's fine in it. Uh, Daisy Ridley's good. I think this is good. Um, again, there's still that movie magic, watching some of the stuff with kids, um, much like the original Star Wars, Indiana Jones and stuff like that. So we had a lot of fun with it. You know, it's you could do worse, I guess. Yeah. Um, decided to drop some Running Man on my kids. Well, on William, because everyone else was asleep. So we threw on Running Man, and uh, he quite liked it. So, yeah, it went over well. I just I watched the blue that we've covered on the show. Um, the, um, oh, yeah. oh, who put that out? Who did put that out? <laughs> Shit. <laughs> Look at us. Oh man, we're on top of shit today. Vincent, it wasn't Vincent. It was um. Anyway, it doesn't matter, I guess. I'll look it uh, up while you keep it. talking. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, what else uh, did we watch here? Oh, uh, last one. We did Mr. Bean's Holiday. Now, I'm not a huge, huge fan of Mr. Bean. I like him well enough, I guess, but. You know, if I didn't have kids, I probably wouldn't want to watch him. I mean, I've lived through most of my life with him sort of being in the picture in some regard, like just, you know, being aware of him and, you know, seeing clips and watching a bit of TV when I was younger. But um, I never never had any real urge to watch his stuff. But now that I love, you know, Tati, well, like Tati, love Pierre Rete, love Keaton, like Chaplin, Harold Lloyd, whoever you want to name, I felt like, you know what? This might be a nice little uh, introduction to my kids, and maybe I'll look at Bean with a newfound appreciation. Uh, it was on Netflix, um, and I gotta say, um, 
We as a family enjoyed it. It went over huge with my kids. Like, I mean, they were just, they were laughing and laughing and just really joyous kind of laughing. And, you know, it wasn't a lot of kind of, I don't know. It just, it, it was a really good watch for us. We watched it as a family and I got some fun, <laughs> some fun cameos. Um, Willem Dafoe plays a very self-serious filmmaker and they're trying to get to Cannes. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's it's pretty fun. I got to say, I uh, I really enjoyed it, and I got a new uh, a new on screen crush in this one. Um, what's her name in this? Uh, Rowan Atkinson. Yeah, she's <laughs> he's he's delicious. But he's uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, exactly. It's so it's so bizarre that the time the moments at which she decides to uh, to talk, but. Her, her, for some reason, her, her MDB photo doesn't do her much justice, but Emma DeCounds, I guess her name is. Oh, she yeah. Plays, I, know, I know who she is, yeah. And she's very cute. She's very, very cute. Um, and she's good in this. She's fun. She's charming. She feels, you know, like a, a suitable kind of, uh, not, not love interest so much, but she, she's really good in it, uh, in her small role. And yeah, anyway, we had fun with it. So I think I might go back now, and William's seen a bit of Pierre Ate. I'm going to go back and... I think drop more uh, physical comedy on them, and I maybe drop uh, Mr. Hulot's Holiday on them uh, in the near future. So nice. Yeah, there we go. Oh no, it it it. Sorry. Oh yeah, one. I was going to say. I was going to say. What the, what about it? What it? Okay, so the new one. The kids fucking hustled me into watching it, and I felt, um, in hindsight, my wife and I had a discussion that we'll never let them watch stuff that intense again. Um. We both felt like it was a bit of a parenting fail. Um, it, as a film, I think it was good. Um, it went over huge, obviously, worldwide. I, I quite enjoyed it. Uh, I think um, Bill Skarsgård, who I did, for some reason, even though I didn't, didn't put two and two together, but his name, being Stellan Skarsgård's son, does a really good job as Pennywise, which I think is a really tough thing. Like, I mean, that's like following in, you know, um, Brett Favre's or yeah. whomever's footsteps, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> it's silly, but um, that's not really his problem, I guess, or his fault. The kids are mostly good. Uh, the, my kids had a fun thing the other night where they said to me, which Richie do you like better? Which Bill do you like better? Which Beverly do you like better? And the new cast fared pretty well when I kind of looked at it that way. So, um, yeah, this was good. And what was cool for me about this one was it was shot in my hometown, Poor Hope. Where I spent my youth, um, and they poor hopes really on display in this film. So that was cool. And then the house in it, which I can't remember if this was in the book or not, but the house where a lot of the stuff happens was filmed just outside where I live, Sammy, like right outside Oshawa. So oh, my kids yeah. have a picture with that house. Oh, nice. So that was kind of a cool draw for them. Um, yeah, so I think it's a bit intense. Like Georgie getting his arm, like, I mean, it's it doesn't fade to black, right? Like it's. You know, the kids swear a fair bit, and luckily a lot of the stuff with Bev and her dad isn't isn't really on. It's definitely not on screen. There's, you know, just sort of alluded to very quickly. Um, it's a solid horror film, though. I have to say, like, it doesn't try to reinvent the wheel, but... Uh, Is it rated R or PG-13? Uh, I would say probably R, man. I don't know. It's It's got... I would say R. I'd be stunned if it wasn't R. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't it's, know. It's, it's, Obviously, I didn't uh, really do much. Uh, I mean, I'll, I'll see it at some point. No, yeah. No pun intended. I'll see it at some point, but... 
Yeah. Um, I didn't oh, no, it's 14A. That's bizarre, man. 14A. Right. I don't know, man. It felt... Uh, well, that's why I ask. I ask because I've watched some PG-13 stuff, and my son has asked, you know, hey, can I watch that? And I'm like, man, there's there's a big divide between some of the PG-13, like Star Wars, as opposed to PG-13, like It. So, yeah. No, it's true. I, I, yeah, I don't know. I, I would say for, for my wife and I, we felt a bit like this was a bit much because... You know, for the next couple of days, like, can you come? Can you can you sleep in my bed tonight? I mean, they got over it there fine. They yeah, were cool. Yeah, you know, and and we paused stuff, and then we showed him an interview with Bill Skarsgård afterwards on like Jimmy Kimmel. And luckily, we live in an age where we can kind of um, we can do that with our kids now. Yeah, right. Like when we were kids, the only frame of reference you had was would to be like seeing Tim Curry getting the makeup put on in a movie and like a still in Fangoria or something, right? Right. It wasn't this living and breathing thing where you saw the human behind the mask. So that helps us soften the blow, I guess. Um, but anyway, I've rambled enough. Uh, I liked it. I would have waited another year or so for my kids, I think. But whatever. What are you going to do? Yeah. Understood. Understood. Um, okay. I watched a few things. Uh, we, we, uh, My son and I went to the movies a couple times. Uh, we, went, we saw back to back. We went to see uh, Coco. Ooh. Which was really quite wonderful. I, I like Coco quite a bit. I know it's kind of gotten blasted by some critics as being kind of, you know, middle-level Pixar, but I thought it was just fine. Uh, I like the kind of cultural nods, Day of the Dead stuff. It was a little uh, morbid at the same time, you know, family-friendly. I thought it did a nice mix of that. Um, it had my son talking a lot about, you know, the Day of the Dead and and celebrating the, the dead and things like that, so... It was interesting to have those conversations, uh, in a in a nice way, not uh, any other way. Um, but we had a, we had a good time watching that. Um, I watched uh, Voyeur. The uh, what is that noise? Is there? Do you guys hear that? You're cutting in and out, bud. Oh, am I? Yeah, a little let's, bit. There, okay, let's see if we. The connection's a little dodgy for a second here. All right. Sounds like somebody's standing in the compressor room. Yeah. <laughs> Has he got a fan on or something, Will? Me? Yeah. No, no. Man, that's crazy. I just opened my window. Yeah, yeah, it's picking it up. <laughs> it's like I think someone's got uh, That's really weird. It's picking up that's that, my vent, though. That's just my vent in my house. It's picking up that Pennywise noise. Man. <laughs> anyway, um, I watched uh, that Netflix film, Voyeur, which is bizarre. Uh I with your there? son, or is this not no, a kid-friendly movie? This is not a kid-friendly movie. <laughs> oh, okay. I should have known with a title like Voyeur. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I wouldn't, I wouldn't recommend this for children. No, this is not a kid-friendly film. It's a good, it's a, it's a good documentary, though. Uh, I watched this kind of in between when we did, uh, or when I was supposed to be on uh, for uh, the Properties No Longer Theft episode and, oh, yes. and whatnot. So um it's, it's really good though it's it's basically about this guy who just put camera or not cameras but he put this like viewing area in a motel and he never got caught doing it and stuff um uh, it's fascinating really fascinating stuff i thought it was really good anyway uh watched tommy the 30 for 30 for tommy morrison uh Ooh. tragic tale there uh nothing good no, nothing good. i didn't feel good after i watched that it was just awful but i mean the movie's good it's just you know just watching somebody self-destruct like that, it was pretty rough. Uh, didn't know he had bicep implants later on in life. I kept wondering why oh, I would see him later on, and I knew he was, you know, kind of ravaged by the AIDS virus and stuff. And I remember thinking, man, he's still in really good shape. Oh, those biceps weren't real. 
Is it that synthol injections or shit? Or I don't know what it was, man. It was weird. They were weird looking, though. They showed pictures of him and stuff where he'd be walking around with, like, open wounds where he'd had them put in and stuff. It was just kind of gross. Oh, man. Um, of course, I watched Christmas Evil and Elves, but I wasn't on the show. Won't say much, except that I love both in different ways. Um, <laughs> Christmas Evil, uh, though, I did have an interesting experience rewatching that. It almost felt very taxi driver slash, you know, maniac-ish. Uh, a lot yes. more, obviously a lot more tame maybe than those. Well, somewhere in between those two movies, I'd say, lies Christmas Evil. Mm-hmm. Uh, Maniac probably being the extreme. Uh, my son and I did go to the movies again, though, the next day. We we saw Coco on the 19th of December, and then on the 20th of December, we went and saw Star Wars The Last Jedi. So, Oh, nice. So okay, Star- I'm curious so, to hear what you think. Yeah, so Star Wars The Last Jedi is his first kind of proper... He's seen Star Wars in bits and pieces and stuff over the years. And he's played video games with Star Wars stuff in and stuff. So he kind of knows all the the rigmarole with Star Wars and stuff through other ventures. He's never really watched the films. He's always been kind of intimidated, but he decided he wanted to see The Last Jedi. All the other kids were seeing it, you know, which is always reason enough for a kid to want to go see a movie. And he, uh, we went and stuff. And that, like I said, uh, it was his first kind of proper PG-13 type experience. And, and he, I, I was more worried about the length of the film and his sitting through that length of a movie because he's not really, <laughs> you know, an hour and a half is really pushing it, you know. And then, and, and, you know, you start getting into 100 and 105 minutes and stuff like that. It starts to, he, especially when you start to get to the middle of a film, you can tell he's starting to tune out a little bit. Uh, mm-hmm. I've had that experience with some of the Lego films with him. Where he just starts to lean over and is like, is this over yet? When's this over? <laughs> like, you not like it? He goes, no, I like it. I just want to do something else. You know, you just tell his, you know, his attention span's kind of going down. But he stayed uh, interested in this film most of the way through. And it's fine. I agree. It's a fine movie. It's, it, I feel the same way about it as I do The Force Awakens. I mean, I like The Force Awakens a little bit more um, mm-hmm. than this one. Um, this one, there's a lot of convenience to the story, in my opinion. Oh yeah! Oh, and, big time! And it's just, it's like some things happen. And it's like, well, why didn't you do that like fucking three movies ago, dude? <laughs> oh, I know. <laughs> and just some I, stuff like I, that. I, so it's like, okay, you know. And you know, there is one scene I have a problem with, and this is going to sound petty, but I have to say it. I don't need my Star Wars bad guy to show up shirtless in a movie. Man, <laughs> but yeah, I know. I totally. <laughs> I totally agree with you on that. It's so ridiculous. It almost feels like a nod to 80s villainy than as, yeah. as it does anything else. Yeah. But uh, can I ask you, did you find Laura... I found Laura Dern's role very, like, just annoying. I, I mean, it just felt... I, I don't know, man. She annoyed me. She annoyed me to no end. Bit of a motherfucker in it. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Did you like his camera? Did you know he was in it? I knew from a few people saying things and stuff, but uh, I did like that a lot, quite a bit. Yes, that kind of. I wish there had been more of that. The the stuttering and things. So yes, 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 <laughs> uh, that. And I thought that was Jean Dujardin in the casino. Oh yeah. I was like, I started, I clapped in the theater. My kids like, what, what? I'm like, man, if he's in this film, this is going to be fun because you know he's charming and stuff, but it wasn't him. I think it was uh, Jennifer Aniston's husband or something like that. I don't, oh, I don't know what, what that guy's name is. Anyway. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's been in some things. I don't know what his name is. I'm not a fan of his. But the uh, No, me neither. But the, the thing about the shirtless scene is, and I don't know if Todd, <laughs> I don't know about Todd if he's seen this or not. or 
Uh, I have not. I'm okay. I'm waiting for. He's going today now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, that, yeah. <laughs> this isn't a spoiler to bring this up, but it is just it for me. Out of everything that I've experienced with all these new Star Wars films, it just feels the most out of place. It adds, and I don't know if this is good or bad, but it adds a sexual undertone to the whole series to me. <laughs> that was bizarre to experience. All of a sudden, I'm sitting there having these thoughts of. <laughs> Daisy Ridley and Kylo Ren getting it on, yeah, you know, and not only that, that they potentially could be related or some shit. Or I'm like, what? Do we? I was like, you know, this goes way beyond kissing your sister. <laughs> yeah. So it just felt weird to me, and I mean, you know, Adam Driver's physique, yeah, great, that's awesome, dude. You got some, you know, nice pecs and some nice biceps. You look great, but I don't need you wet and sweaty in my Star Wars movie, bro. That burgeoning oh. sexuality. <laughs> Wet and sweaty in your bed. Yeah. Yeah. yeah even, <clears throat> to this point, even my son leaned over and says, why has he got a shirt off? <laughs> I, you know, I think my son, I think Braden might have said that. I think he might have said that too. Like it's, it is, I, yeah, in, in hindsight, that is very. I want you to think about all the Star Wars stuff you've seen. How many times has a character had their shirt off? Dude. Uh, probably never. Yeah, I think if, Han Solo may have had his shirt open at some point like yeah. that. Yeah, open for real. Yeah, but I, I just want you to think of that. And uh, it, to me, that's a... I know it's petty. Like I said, I agree with that. But it just... I don't know. There's something about it. And it, it, it opens the door to what I'm, you know, fearful to be... Uh, not not fearful, I shouldn't say that. But, you know, because maybe there should be rated R Star Wars movies. I don't know. But they they kept saying it was for... the You know, the movie's made more for kids. I felt like it was made for both. I, I, I agree with you. There was a lot of reverence in the beginning. I was really kind of deterred. I felt like we were going down the too. same path we've been down. Mm-hmm. Same way I felt with some of Force Awakens. Ultimately, it won me over, and I like the movie. Yeah, same, same. But, I, you know, it would never make a top 10 or a top oh, 30 no. list for me. It's, it's just not – I mean, yeah, bravo to Ryan Johnson. He did a good job with what he had, but it just – Yeah. You know, it's just not, not something that – uh I would think some maybe, and if you know we were talking spoilers, I'd really get into some of my real nitpicks with it because that whole back end, even though it's fun, I just kept thinking to myself, man, this is awful fucking convenient all of a sudden. Well, yeah, it absolutely <laughs> is. I mean, you know, like they they felt like they were going to shoehorn certain things or certain things that they wanted to be iconic going yeah. forward um, at the to the detriment of the film on, on as a whole. Yeah. That's Salt Planet, though. That's that was great visually, right? That was visually fantastic. Yeah, yeah. So visually, I think it's probably one of the best looking Star Wars movies out of all of them. Really, it's pretty amazing. It's got some really nice shots and some really nice uh, set design and just everything. It, it looks really nice. Mm-hmm. Could have done without that whole casino thing, though. To be honest with you. Anyway, I'll get back to we'll get back to what I've been watching. Alien Covenant. I watched that. I didn't like this as much. I think Todd watched this not too long ago. I just rewatched. Rewatched it, uh, it pretty recently. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't like there, this as there much. There was a theater issue the first time around. Yeah, okay. I didn't like this yes. as much as I liked Prometheus. I like Prometheus, even though I know a lot of people hate the kind of silliness of Prometheus, people getting high and people not taking in disregard for other human life and stuff. Kind of a horror movie element to Prometheus. This one has some horror movie elements as well. You know, one thing I didn't like about this one is I didn't care for the creature design too much. Uh, I felt It felt almost... Uh, and maybe it was supposed to feel this way, but the creatures almost felt adolescent or infantile, infantile to me a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if that makes any sense. Maybe if you see it, it would. But uh, I, I really like the the first like half to maybe three fourths of this movie. I just feel like yep. toward the back end, it really starts to get 
you know, kind of silly, and you can t- kind of see the twist coming, and it's like, okay, but, I mean, it's fine as far as an alien film goes. It's surprisingly gory. Oh, yeah, to have gotten this thing where um, he's really, really, really into <laughs> yeah. the genre elements of the movies that he makes to yeah. the point that he almost he almost is, uh, like, fetishizing yeah. these ultra-violent, uh, really nasty bits in his films. Um, something which I, I, I guess you could argue they were there before, but it was also much, much more. Um, I feel like the Prometheus, underplayed. Yeah, I feel like Prometheus and Alien Covenant. It's much more graphic than. Oh my god! Yeah. Than obviously Alien is, but I, and then I think about Ridley Scott's filmography, and I think there's a few films that he did to deal with violence and stuff, and he did quite. <laughs> there well, are, but, there but are never quite, is, never quite on this on this level where he's just yeah. kind of like leering at the yeah. uh, the violence in, yeah. in the movie. It's intense in this film, and like you said, I, I think it is a lot gorier. I, I know because I've rewatched Alien recently. It's fucking in, it gets brutal yeah. in yeah. spots. There's a cruelty to the violence. There is a cruelty, and it's mm-hmm. it's interesting because you know Ridley's not a young man anymore. He's you know he's heading toward 80 i mean he's not he's not a young guy i mean he works like a young guy he makes a movie a year it seems like and i think he's yeah. trying to make as much as he can before he gets out of here but yeah well i mean you could easily compare the uh, prometheus and um alien covenant to something like uh, the counselor yeah with the way that it you know is is just that that like you were saying like cruelty yeah i don't think will's seen the counselor yet but that movie i is, still haven't that movie is also, eh, you're not really eh. I, I think there's 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 some there's worthwhile stuff in it but, I, I think uh, it's I, definitely definitely very flawed. Yeah, it's very flawed, but I, I think it would be a great film to review uh, because it would be mm-hmm. there. There's a lot to talk about, but oh yeah, the violence in that is also very cruel and very surprisingly yeah. very nasty. So oh yeah. Anyway, uh, watched. I uh, finally saw Get Out. I finally saw Get Out. Oh, the, uh, the Get Out. Yeah, <laughs> the Buzz film of uh, last year probably. I liked Get Out. I didn't love Get Out. Uh, I think part of the issues I had with it was some of it, some of the comedy and stuff didn't land for me. Okay. Uh, which is not a problem. Uh, I, I, that's neither here nor there. I mean, that you know, I, I like some of the twists and stuff, but again, for me, sometimes horror films, when the convenience is there, the message is great, but the convenience of the message, not the convenience yeah. of the message, but the convenience of the narrative. Of the delivery of the message? Uh, yeah, to make the or- message work. Sometimes uh, bothers me a little bit. I really, I will say this though, for like that first half an hour to forty five minutes, it's like a really, really, really good Twilight Zone episode. You know, dude, I could not agree more. I love, love the first half of this film, and it's only through the strength of the first half that I still really love this film because the back third of this it really falls apart for me, and it gets too jokey, and I'm just like, you know oh, what? Yeah. I can't. It just, it fell off for me at that point. Yeah, I loved it. Don't get me wrong, but that, yeah. it's only on the strength of that first half or so. Yeah, I liked it a lot too. Not not as much probably as you did, but I will say the same thing you said. That back third or whatever it is, there was moments when I was saying, "Come on, really? What are we? What oh, are we I doing, know. guys? What are we doing? You you had something here. I mean, I'm saying it out loud. I'm like, come on, <laughs> you know. Oh no. So I don't want to give too much away because I know there might be still like me a handful of folks who haven't seen it and. uh there's some things that ride very heavily on a twist, right? So mm-hmm. I don't even want to talk about the back, some of the things in the back there. But I will say again, like Star Wars, I do feel like there's a little too much convenience on the back end. And uh, but I liked, I like the ideas behind it a lot, uh, and I like the message. It's it's it, it, it's not beating you over the head with the message. There's moments when I thought it was a little bit, but it's not overtly. I think, 
So yeah, I I I had a problem, and I talked about to Will about this is that you know the first half if you're not if you don't know where it's going can feel really heavy handed. I yeah. think yeah. Uh, but it, when you get to the second half, you're like, oh, that's why. Yeah. You know, but yeah, yeah, no, it, it does have some uh, some nice setup. I did. Like um, the, I did. Like I, the... I'm personally, personally, I like the second half. Yeah. yeah of yeah. Uh, of Get Out. I think I would um, too if I didn't like the first half so much. <laughs> sure. No, I could see. That. I could. I do. I absolutely could see that. Yeah. yeah. I think. I think it's a flawed movie, but I think it's a movie oh, that'll yeah. that'll stand the test of time because it's it's the right kind of flawed. If that makes sense. Well, yeah. Right? And and Peel, I think you know, and I said this as well. Uh, you know, he definitely shows he's got chops. So I'm you know very interested yeah. oh, to see what else he, what so. else he comes out with. So yeah, the acting Fresh. is. Outside of the comedic, the comedic uh, best friend, which is fine. He's fine in the movie. Don't get me wrong. I don't want to badmouth the comedic best friend. I think it's a fine comedic performance. Uh, it got on my nerves sometimes, but I laughed at some of the stuff he said. But outside of that, I think that all the acting is really good. The lead's really good. Uh, I can't remember his name now. Forgive me. Daniel Kaluuya. Yeah, he's really good. And I've seen him in some other stuff, and he's been really good. The female, Allison, I think's her name, Allison something. Yep. She's good. Even though at one point... She's drinking some milk or something and stuff. It's a little too much for me. At, at, some, <laughs> at some point, like the psychosis breaks or something. I don't know. Uh, it's a little too much for me. Uh, that's all I'll say. But uh, but the Brad Bradley Bradford Whit, Bradley Whitman or what, what? I can't remember. Bradley Whitford. Yeah. He, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's really good, man. He's really good. Catherine Keener. Betty Gay. He's really Catherine good. Catherine Keener's great. Yep. Betty Gabriel and Lakeith Stanfield, the two African Americans, uh, the guy yeah, at the party. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. And then the the the, uh, the maid, they're fucking fantastic. Yeah. I should say I like the payoff. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah. Because it, it gets it gets to that like seventies film era like visceral payoff you want. Paranoia. I, I think yeah, he's a great voice, and yep. as we talk about, and I've said. More as of late, you know, representation in film in front of and behind the camera is important. So yeah. it's cool, man. It's good stuff. I mean, it's not, it's like I said, it's not bad. I just, I had some issues. It won't make, let's, let's put this way, it won't make my top 30, but it would be, uh, it, it's definitely a film that I think conversation is, is warranted. So that, that the important thing is it gets people talking. That's all that matters. Yes. Uh, and then lastly, I've, I've finished it off with uh, some seriously heavy, visceral, crazy, insane, this madness. And that would be uh, now more than ever the History of Chicago documentary. Uh, oh, nice. I can't think of a more uh, AM radio-friendly band <laughs> than Chicago. Nice. And Peter Cetera's wonderful vocals and uh, stuff. But I, I just... Sometimes I watch these. This was on Netflix. I just kind of threw it on, watched it. Uh, you know, Chicago's made, you know, they've been around for almost 50 years. Uh, I'm not a big fan of Chicago. I should say that. I like a few little songs here and there and a few little bits and pieces. I'm not a big Chicago guy. But uh, I'm always open to uh, looking into the history of things. And it's interesting. They, you know, they started out as a very heavy, heavily horn-influenced band and kind of turned and kind of like a jazz rock fusion type thing. And then kind of turned into this ballad. You know, they started realizing they could sell more records if Peter Cetera sang ballads. Chasing that ballad paper, son. <laughs> that ballad paper. Did them, did them well, too. You know, set them up for life, right? So oh, yeah. that's the way it goes. Um, did it all for the glory of dough. Yeah. All for the glory of dough. Well, like, that's the thing, man. Like, there wasn't enough. Ba- there was more than enough ballad paper to go around, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So everyone and their fucking cat was lining up to, uh, to belt one out. But, yeah. It is funny how they went from like you look at stuff like Street Player. Yeah. 
that's completely different from power yeah, of love. Yeah, if you go yeah, if you go back and listen to old Chicago, you're like, wait a minute, this is the same band that did uh, you know, you know, you're you're my you're the inspiration or something like that. I mean, are we sure you're this is the same the thing? Inspiration. Uh, how many fucking yeah. Grade school dances that oh, uh, man. that's Karate Kid moves, but yeah. uh, it's, 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 it's interesting if you go back and listen to that stuff. But yeah, what's funny is, of course, uh, Peter Cetera. He, I think he hates the members of Chicago, and he he didn't want anything to do with this movie. He's not in it. Like, they would show every time they'd interview him. It's like Peter Cetera wanted didn't want not want to be in this film. And uh, of course, their manager, their old manager, the guy that directed uh, Electric Glide and Blue, he didn't want to be in the film either. So. Interesting. That was, but that that stuff was interesting. But uh, yeah, that's all I watch, man. That's a lot of watching. But uh, that's it. <laughs> so we will take a break and uh, come back. And do you guys want to do uh, chronological order? Do you want to do what? Uh, you know, anybody got a preference? You decide, my friend. You've been away uh, for quite some time. So why don't you? Uh, well, if decide. I'm if I'm going to decide, I'd like to do the one that I want to lead on, which is hitting lot of brain damage. Let's do it. All right. Let's do it. We're going to come back and talk some brain damage. We'll be back right after this. Our first film of the day, of your glorious day, for whatever day you're listening to this, uh, is Brain Damage. Frank Henenlotter joint, 1988. Now, I think we've covered one Henenlotter, right? We've done Frankenhooker? We did Frankenhooker, yeah, man. I think that's all we did. Now, Henenlotter hasn't done a whole lot of films, but for my money, he's one of the, the best of that era of horror filmmaker. And I, I say this because... His films are unique. They're very, they're hidden lotter. They're very hidden lotter. He, he's an auteur, in my opinion. Uh, when you see a Frank Hennelotter film, you kind of know it's a Hennelotter film. There's something about the way he uses sexuality, uh, gore, uh, comedy, and any other number of things that are so Frank Hennelotter <laughs> that uh, for some, I think he can be a turnoff. But uh, for me, he works uh, for some reason. Um, so this film, let me, uh, of course, I, you know, I think I may have closed my IMDb. No, I, don't, I still got it up, hey, but I don't have the film in, of course. I just got the IMDb up to see. Do you want me to synopsize it and you lead? Uh, no. Is that what you're, because you, you wanted to lead on this one, right? Yeah, yeah, you can synopsize yeah. if you want to, yeah. Okay. Uh, one morning, a young man wakes to find that a small, disgusting creature has attached itself to the base of his brain stem. Creature gives him a euphoric state of happiness, but demands human victims in return. Nice. I don't know. That's kind of a shitty. Yeah. I don't yeah. know. I mean, it's okay, I guess. There's no flourish. There's no. 
pizzazz. Or, I don't know. Yeah. Doesn't paint a picture. Yeah. But I guess that's Sammy's job. <laughs> yeah, my job is to paint the picture. Yeah. So I remember this one popped up in uh, Fangoria magazine quite a bit when I was growing up. I'd, I'd see the images of the oh, yeah. uh, the ear splatter and um, a few other bits because uh, this does have some ultra kind of uh, excessive gore in it. Um, it also has, uh, I, I guess, let's let's get the elephant in the room out of the way. A lot of this movie kind of relies on if you're willing to buy this kind of turd-looking, uh, penis-looking kind of monster. Yep. Mm-hmm. And if you're willing to buy the the fact that it's you know it's very much practical effects, uh, Gay Bartolos uh, rubber monster uh, with a Zachary, uh, the famous uh, movie monster movie cool. host, yeah, kind of uh, voice. Uh, if you're willing to buy that, then you're in. Uh, because, you know, it's like, hey, how you doing there, bud? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's something almost soothing about his voice, which I kind of liked. Uh, uh, but the, I will say this, though. I, I don't like the eyes on the creature. The eyes make it look a little goofy. Man. <laughs> I agree with you 100%. And can I say, I don't know if you guys know this. This was a first-time watch for me. Oh, yeah? Nice. Yeah. First-time watch. Like you, a lot of memories of Fangoria and the ear kind of... Thing. It was one of the most vivid memories burned in my head. But as I'm watching it, I couldn't help but wonder, would we have been better served if it, like he heard the voice, the voice works great, right? I mean, the voice work is great, but it, I almost wonder if it would have been better um, if the, the eyes were terrible. They were goofy. Yeah. Very goofy. Um, and if maybe they didn't even, like it just didn't, it, it just communicated in his in his head. It didn't have to mouth anything or be even more anthropomorphic or like, you know, it didn't need eyes and a mouth, right? If it just, yeah. I mean, yeah. you know, you think as the brain, it could have um, communicated telepathically or something, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think that would have been fine. Yeah. I think that, the, that if there's any kind of weakness to the creature itself, it's that. I mean, when it gets close-ups and stuff, it it just doesn't work. Now, there is a other type of close-ups. So, the, hint a lot. This film is full well, with... A, I th- Go ahead. I'm sorry. Uh, I, I think that uh, personally, my thinking is that the reason that he's so goofy looking is it's it's supposed to be kind of a dual thing. It's supposed to be that it's not only you know disgusting, kind of cancery penis brain looking thing, uh, but at the same time, it's supposed to be kind of inviting. And I think that's what they, they're trying to do with like the the uh, the eyes and that is try and make it kind of like friendly looking, like you want to kind of talk to this thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think that that's the reason why it, that it, it looks that way. Uh, partly, partly is you know uh, just because you know maybe it was the you know Bartolos's um, skills at that moment in time, and I think that uh, yeah, it, it doesn't quite work. Yeah, no. yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's it's well again, it goes it comes back to something that I'll mention over and over again. It's very Hinnlotter in a ways. It's kind of like his, you know, his, you know, you take it or leave it, his uh, interpretation of the Frankenhooker character. You know, there's there's comedy bits, you know, with the way she talks and mm-hmm. and things like that. And it either works or it doesn't work. If it works for you, then you're, you're on board. If it doesn't work for you, you might not be on board for the whole thing. And his humor is very crass and very, uh, well, I'd say politically incorrect in some ways. Well, uh, he's very 42nd Street. I yeah, mean, he, he is. He grew he's, up in He that. is like the epitome. Yeah. Yeah, he grew up. I mean, he went to he was going to the Forty Second Street grindhouses when he was a kid, mm-hmm. and he's never really left that world. I mean, he's 
he's done a few things here and there, but I mean, even if you see his later films, his last fiction film, Bad Biology, he's never really left the kind of nastiness and kind of grossness that he that he kind of lives in. Uh, that just yeah. that's just where his you know his storytelling lives. I mean, a great example to me is there's a great scene where. In the opening, you know, they get the close-up of the brains, so that's gross, right? Uh, well, to oh, some, yeah. that might be gross. I mean, it, I, I don't want to be around a bunch of brains. I think it's kind of gross. And I don't even know what kind of... I'm guessing those are pig brains. Uh, Probably, yeah. They're real brains. I know that because I listen I'm to some of the I'm guessing the smell's not good either. Oh, yeah. No. That's, that, that's what I'm thinking, right? I'm thinking about the smell. So she goes into the bathroom. She's going to... She's going to give these brains to some. We don't know what's going on, right? You never seen it. We'll never seen it. So he don't know what the fuck's going on, because uh, <laughs> he, he, he doesn't tell you anything in the beginning. He, he doesn't tell you anything until the Elmer Elmer character pops up, and then you start to get the explanations as to what's going on. But what's interesting is, to me, this is interesting. This dynamic. He shows this bathtub with water in it, right? And then when they go to that lady's house, they show the bathtub, and that bathtub's filthy. <laughs> Oh, gross! I know. <laughs> and I thought of Will because that's the kind of stuff Will would say, like what he just said. That, that's the first reaction I would expect Will to say. Oh, that's so gross. <laughs> oh, shit. But but you know, if somebody pops into your house and you know, let's let's be honest, we've all had guests over. We, we, we've all done something like that before, but we always clean up. We don't want them to see how we really live. How we really live, man. That's always like, that's the biggest like domestic anxiety I have. It's like, oh my God, I don't want visitors to come unannounced yeah. and look at our fucking baseboards yeah. or look in our fridge. You know, yeah. it's so true, man. It's so true. It's a level of anxiety you got to deal with when oh, you're older. God. But it, it's funny because, you know, they pop in on this lady and they go into her bathroom and essentially, it's the same bathroom, just repainted. And they looked down her bathtub, and the first thing I thought is, man, what the fuck she do? She work in a sand quarry or something? <laughs> I know, man. <laughs> it's filthy. It is. <laughs> but there's a lot of Hindelotter-esque type things here. So the, the, the monster itself, the creature, I should say, it's not really a monster. Well, I guess it's a monster, but it's a creature. The, Hindelotter, the movie's only like 86 minutes long, so it's a great length. But the thing great is... Length. He he really kind of goes back to the well a lot to kind of I think you know make the movie longer. So I I don't know how many times you get the the opening for the kind of like stamen type. I guess that's what you would call it. I don't know what a flower has like a stamen or a pistol and stamen. Yeah. Pistol and a stamen. You know something that kind of goes into the back. By the way, that every time that went into the base of his neck, it bothered me. Uh, <laughs> I hate well, I, I hate when something re-enters a hole. Not now. Now let me let me. <laughs> <laughs> I, I said I hate when something does. I didn't say I hate when I do. <laughs> yada yada yada. All right. <laughs> but uh, hey, Sammy, <laughs> yeah, hey Sammy, get in this hole. The uh, but there's something bothersome about that little stem going back into that puncture wound. Yeah, that bothers yeah. me. It's kind of the same of uh, you know watching a druggie, like watching a uh, a junkie. Uh, enter the same vein over and over again yeah. but that's what we were doing yeah yeah and that's what you yeah. were doing right i mean i think probably the most repulsive thing in requiem for a dream to me is when jared leto kind of he's got that really infected arm and he sticks that needle in that fucking sore arm oh my god it fucking just bothers me to no end you know yeah same here that was the one that and um I mean, that's one of the the two or three sort of biggest things i've that have hung with me about that film his arm just looked so fucking bad oh yeah it was gross it was horror movie but, gross. <laughs> yeah. Well, the the Elmer and and what you're talking about here, it, it's kind of interesting to me because um, 
it, like we've been saying, it, it you know it looks like this really nasty looking penis brain kind of thing, but then it opens its mouth and it's like vagina dentata, right? Yeah. So. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So there's a hundred million teeth and a tongue, yeah. and then this like little like like we said pistol stain, like a plant like proboscis yeah. type of. I don't know the words I'm if I'm using. We'll think the right of like a, a mosquito's. Uh, yeah. There you yeah. go. Like a mosquito, like that little thin needle a mosquito can get under your skin with. Proboscis? Is it a proboscis? Proboscis. Yeah. Proboscis. Proboscis. Yeah. See, I, I, I got to about grade eleven general science, then I dipped out. <laughs> yeah, I remember <laughs> well, these. Oh, when put when Will puts his hands on your hip. It's one of those things where you remember what where you remember where they're what they're called, but you're afraid to say it out loud because you just know you're yep. going to mispronounce it. Yeah, That's for that very things. reason. <laughs> <laughs> so I know what that is, but what what what, what do I say? But they, he goes to that well quite a bit, and he goes to the well of uh, the Rick Hurst guy kind of standing around a lot in Euphoria a lot. Yeah, he goes to yeah. that quite a bit. And and, and, well, and, and not in a bad way. I'm not going to say in a bad way, but just in the way you did in like mid-'80s and, and 70s films or in, in Grindhouse films when you wanted to extend the running time a little bit. Yeah. Well, it's it's funny because you know you guys were saying about how the, the, the general look of the Elmer doesn't really work for you but i for me when his when his mouth slides down when he like opens his jaw that worked for me less even you know even less than the the general look of it because it just yeah. looks bad yeah the way that his mouth just kind of it like just kind of slides down you could see how fake it looks yeah yeah i mean it, i think it's deteriorated so he doesn't really show it to anybody over the years so some of that stuff deteriorates over time um, but I'd, I'd wish I kind of, well, I don't know if I'd want an Elmer kind of hanging around on the shelf. Cause it does look like, as you said earlier, a cancerous penis in some ways. Yeah. Forget, forget elf on the shelf. Yeah. Elmer on the shelf. It's like, a, it's almost like a, that's next Christmas. It almost looks like a bulbous, like turd. Like, you know, the, yeah. it does. Like it the, totally does. The front end of that. And, and any, and anybody that's ever taken a shit, don't, don't they, you, you know, what I'm, <laughs> I'm meaning all of us. Yeah. <laughs> that, you guys know guy what I'm talking like about. The yeah, that that front end of that turd can be bulky, but that back end slims down a little bit there, man. It does, man. It does. <laughs> that front end's like, yeah, motherfucker, and that back end's it's like, ooh. busting out. <laughs> well, it's like a frosting uh, uh, bag, right? Yeah. Okay. Until well. you learn to master the <laughs> that technique, yeah. and it eases up the exit. That fucking soft serve. That's right, man. You gotta get the, you gotta get that swoop on the end of it. You do. As I get older, you get some of those moments where it just—it literally—it's—it's it's not like, it's not like a high psi like pressure, but it just fucking—it it just pour—it just pours out of you. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, it's like a cement mixer, man. It's like what is going on, man? It's like yeah, coming down that shoot. Even you think to yourself, "Am I pissing or am I shitting? What am I doing?" You know? Oh man, that middle-aged man movie review. Yeah, man. <laughs> bringing, bringing the thunder. Yeah, right. yeah. you guys all. We, we, there's people listening right now. They're laughing too because they've all been there. We, we've all been there. From some of our audience. Yeah. So let's get into some GGTMCS things about this movie. First of all, his roommate. Uh, uh, should, everybody should know that, that. That by the way, that's Holly Hunter's husband nowadays. So that that roommate. No way. Yeah, but also. Tightest sleeveless T-shirt in the history of fucking cinema. Very GGTMC, man. That is, and he can't be comfortable in that fucking thing. You can see his necklace through the shirt. I mean, it is fucking. That is a tight sleeveless T-shirt, bro. Just slave fashion. Yeah, damn. It's not even. I mean, it's spandex without spandex. It's it's insane. I, I you know, for me, I don't know think- if you needed that tight. <laughs> 
Did you even guys even, think that he was a like his twin or something? He was supposed to be. They were supposed to be twin brothers or I something. I thought they were brothers. I think yeah. that was. I got said, confu- right. Like, I got confused it? every now and then. I, they do uh, they, look they very brothers. similar. They said it a few times. Yep. You know uh, how my brother is. Blah 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 blah. Oh, that's right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Which leads to some, you know, Hinnelotter type weirdness, right? Because you know, next thing you know, that she's sleeping with one brother, then she's sleeping with the other. Uh, yeah, which, that was fucked up. Yeah, Hinnelotter likes that kind of stuff. Uh, is his sexual kind of? Uh, I don't know what the word would be, but kind of his his kind of deviations on sex are always a little gross. So this this film has. Uh, uh, the the chicken leg blowjob scene before the pig chicken leg blowjob scene was popular, right? Yeah. <laughs> so at some point we get a, uh, a lady of the night, maybe not a hooker, so to speak, a lady of, at a at a at a club. Uh, club, yeah. Uh, with that song, corruption. Um, <laughs> the uh, but we get a basically a blowjob Elmer scene, which is yeah, uh, that, that backfires. <laughs> yeah, big time. It big time backfires. Well, for one of them, it does. <laughs> well, it's fucking gross too, though, man. Because it looks like she's it fucking gross. like she's bobbing on a heavy, heavily, ugh, like a nasty turd, you know, like a slimy, oh. shiny fucking. Unfortunately, turd. we live in the world of the internet, so I think I've probably seen something like that in real life. Oh, yeah, man. Yeah, but that scene, I, I've never had a woman try to pick me up because I looked wasted. <laughs> like if anything, they yeah. fucking avoid me like the plague when I'm fucking stumbling around. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I thought to myself the same thing. It's like, man, back in the day, you could just go to a club and just stumble around, and be like, yeah. The more loaded you are, the more. See, this is sort of the opposite world because normally when guys are loaded, that's when they think they're more charming and appealing, and it's the opposite. But in this, it was the opposite where he was more appealing to her. Yeah, yeah, right. I, I have to be honest, speaking as a pig. Oh, I knew you were going to go there because I was getting ready to say the same thing. <laughs> yeah, I'm picking up what she's putting down. It's like the yep. the uh, thicker I, girl in Boy Omega. Yeah. How, how how disappointed were you her, Were you that she didn't drop oh, her top? I'm I yeah, right? disappointed. I have to be honest. Because <laughs> yeah. be it's Hannon Lauder, right? I, I mean, know, you think, I know. Again, you know. we live in a different era now, and I know there's you know all these political things going on, and they're all positive things. Don't get me wrong; I want to make they sure are, I say absolutely. That. But you know, these are exploitation films. I'm a guy; I watch movies for certain things, and you know, it. it we say it uh, to be forthright and say you know we're being piggish here, which we are sometimes, and we're admitting that. But I mean, you know, I, when I go into a Hinnelotter film, I expect to see you know breast and and sexual innuendo that's kind of bizarre and and all these things and so i was a little disappointed too when she didn't uh you know when there wasn't a sex scene let's say or she mm-hmm. she didn't get naked as they say you know that's right they say naked down here in the south naked motherfucker <laughs> she didn't get naked n-e-k-k-i-d by the way for anybody that yep. yes know, that's the way we say it down here um but the um you know the, the the girlfriend too. Well, my voice kind of broke there a little bit. The girl, the uh, the girlfriend. Too. Fries with that. Yeah. There's some there's some interesting <laughs> it's like time to change. Yeah, yeah. but it's time to change. Yeah, <laughs> so I sound like when I'm shooting out that massive bulbous turd we're talking about. Oh. Wow. You know what? If I ever do end up in a situation where I'm single again, this episode's not going to help. <laughs> not going to get any ladies with this one. <laughs> Sorry, ladies. Our female listeners, which is a small group, I'm sure, but Jesus. <laughs> Ooh. Anyway, um, there's a nice kind of like uh, threesome type fantasy scene. So let me, 
kind of back up a little bit because I don't have a whole. I mean, there's not a lot to say about the movie. The movie's 86 minutes long. It's basically creature attaches itself to the base of your brainstem. You can see all kinds of colors, and you get this euphoria. So it's basically an allegory for drugs and and uh, things like that. And it hits your pleasure zone. And and I think there's some interesting things being said about how if you get off of the Elmer uh, buzz, that you know, obviously those characters they age badly and. You can see where they would want to fight for it. And so there's some interesting kind of things being said there that, you know, we often sit around as adults and think to ourselves, man, I can't believe people kill people for uh, cocaine or for uh, even for 20 pounds of pot or so. That's a lot of pot. But I mean, I'm just saying people kill people for drugs. But when people get hooked on things or when they absolutely need things and they get desperate, people do stupid and crazy things. Right. So you can't you, you can't ever factor in desperation desperation you you guys keep talking okay for a minute sorry to cut you off yeah, i gotta no. deal with something here. yeah desperation sounds like sounds like you had a like a leak or like, something like it a sound like I, I thought i thought i heard a toilet flush you did william woke up so I had oh, to there you go come downstairs <laughs> yeah there we go one, one sec. it's like i thought a pipe burst or something it was like oh no yeah right but the the i kind of like that he shows what happens to the elderly couple that was taking care of taking care of elmer aylmer um, yeah, they show that, and I like those scenes with the communication. You don't know how to take him, and, and you don't know how to take care of him, and all this stuff. And they give a yeah. backstory for Elmer, which is I love of, that. Yeah, I liked it too. It's kind of interesting. It reminds me of like old Universal like monster movie type stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which again, if you if you watch some of the this has got some really nice special features on this disc. If you watch the special features, uh, Hinnelotter kind of grew up with that stuff because uh, he's not a young man. He's uh, I guess he's heading toward. I guess he's like sixty five or going towards seventy at this point. He's up there. Uh, but he loves you know monster movies and stuff, and this feels like kind of an ode to that. Basket Case felt that way too, yeah. and uh, even Frankenhooker to some degree. I mean, it is you know a riff a riff on the Frankenstein monster. So he's obviously very heavily influenced by these Universal monster films, and he even mentions that a little bit on the uh, on the interview they have with him. Um. Uh, he just, you know, obviously being interview, uh, being introduced to all that kind of grindhouse stuff he grew up with in New York City, uh, a lot of that kind of comes through in his films as well. Uh, excessive nudity, excessive violence, excessive gore. And he's one of these kind of guys that sees, you know, excessive gore as almost as comedic relief, which is kind of how I see it too. Uh, and, of course, that can be played different ways. But, like, you know, he was talking about how – and this is a director's cut we watch, we should say, because I don't recall. I saw this movie on video – and I haven't watched. I never watched it on DVD. So this is the first time I've revisited this thing since VHS. I don't recall the the brain spewing, the ear spewing scene being nearly as long as it is here. Nor do I. I don't recall honestly the blowjob turd scene. It may have been in there, but yeah, I, don't I don't recall. Remember. It's pretty graphic. I should say if somebody it was, is very. I, I if somebody was yeah. to walk in and you were watching that, they would think you're watching some kind of fucking gross porn movie. Yeah, and I had to wonder like. When I was watching that scene, I mean, it's it's a blowjob. I mean, it's it's like brown bunny yeah. blowjob scene. It's a blowjob. Um, so I had to wonder, like, how did this? Because this was, I think, heavily censored upon its. Um, yeah, two minutes. Two minutes were release, cut. I think. Right? Two minutes were cut, but I think it was mostly. It does sound like it's six. So, but I mean, if you take two minutes out of a film, if it's the right two minutes, it can be heavily censored. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's interesting that on IMDb, off to the right, it says the most disturbing non-horror films of all time, and I can see a picture of Jared Leto from Requiem for a Dream. How about that? There you go. That, that's, that, that's what it reminded me of. The hole in the back of his neck it reminded me of the Requiem for a Dream hole in the arm type thing. Um, I like the way the film plays out. 
I like the way the story kind of works. I mean, you make a deal with the devil. It's kind of Faustian. He, uh, Hinlotter actually himself mentions that, that he kind of wanted to do a Faustian type tale. So I, I kind of like that. That's a great story structure to me because you, you, you have a character that has to be willing to give up what he used to be to become something else. And how does that play out? You know, and, kind of goes back to like Phantom of the Paradise and some of the other stuff we've talked about. It's just a great story structure, right? If it's done right, it, it works every time. Um, but I think, you know, again, Henelotter does, he kind of thrives on the gross-out gag. He kind of thrives on the dirt. He, also, we should say, this does have one of the dirtiest hotel rooms, too, in the history of cinema. Like, oh, yeah. He checks into a hotel room. that I, And look, dude, I, I can sleep anywhere, but even I wouldn't have stayed in that hotel room. <laughs> it's fucking gross and it has a community oh, shower which he manages to get that one guy from Frankenhooker in there wow yeah that that's a very GTTMC dude that's yeah. for sure get some soapy ass crack so, uh, yeah well he's giving Van Damme a run for his money he's like nobody's gonna he's hurt you he's not quite as pert yeah. of Nobody. bottom yeah. no, as Van yeah. Damme but yeah, he's yeah. tough of tit yeah he is tough of tit and that's he just true. lathers and lathers and lathers and lathers yeah he's really working that bar dude that is the longest the, the, um, <laughs> the longest shower a person could possibly take yeah and I mean, I dude, he just keeps going. It's like, how yeah. much sweat do you well, got to get off you? I got to be honest with you. If I'm in a community shower and I'm built like that, dude, I'm probably going to take long showers, too. I would just, if I checked into a home, if I checked into a hotel and, uh, and I looked like that guy, I would just, yeah, I would just hang out in the shower. So I don't know what the vibe that Henelotter was going for there. I don't know if it was a homosexual vibe. Uh, you know, this is 88, so it's not the free sex of the 70s, so to speak, but I don't know what he was going for there. I do know that what he was going for with uh, the Elmer character kind of falling out of the towel. It almost looked like he took a shit on the shower floor. <laughs> <laughs> and we've all or been there. <laughs> we've all been there. Some of us last night. But uh, <laughs> really, <laughs> whoops! Somebody, somebody, get me the poop knife. We gotta break this up. <laughs> gotta chop it up and get it in the drain. Putty scraper. Oh yikes! <laughs> But I think you're you glad you have a detachable shower head. Oh, yeah, big time, man. I'll tell you, I think in all seriousness, I think that scene, part of the effectiveness of it, or what maybe Henlander was going for, other than to give us a little bathhouse action, um, was to show us the contrast between the two men in terms of their physical state. Because by this point... Yeah. Uh, when we're looking at uh, Brian, he's got sores on his body. He's sickly. He looks like shit. He's a junkie. He's, yeah. a, he's a junkie. And he lo- he's a he's a good looking young man yeah. when the film starts. Mm-hmm. And he looks like shit. Now, the other guy was a little too big. But, you know, yeah. he's this, this sort of pillar of masculinity. And yeah. whereas Brian just looks even more weakly and sickly yeah. and just wasted. I believe that guy was the pimp in Frankenhooker. Yep. He was a piece of shit in that. Yeah, he was. He was. Henelotter likes to use him. Of course, he uses a lot of the same folks. And, you know, he's tight with R.A., the rugged man, one of the greatest movie collectors of all time. And uh, if it, if anybody has, if we didn't say so on our Frankenhooker episode, do yourself a favor, look up some YouTube videos of R.A., the rugged man. Uh, you can go either here or there toward his music. I'm not a fan. But. Uh, you can uh, definitely, if you're a movie lover, you can appreciate the fact that this dude fucking loves movies. Mm-hmm. There's few movie collections I would say that are as extensive as his. I mean, they're in, it's insane if you ever see his collection. It's, I mean, it's stacked on the floor to the ceiling. Essentially, I don't even know how he finds shit. 
He he, I think didn't he fund a few late Hannah films? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He did. He, he, he uh, executive produced them or something. I don't yeah. know if he did on this one, but he did definitely uh, get involved. And then, I think he definitely did on Bad Biology, the last one. And then, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, he's he's an interesting or, guy. Yeah, or, or maybe I'm thinking of Stuart Gordon as well. No, I don't think Gordon and Hindelotter, even though they remind me of each other in some way. They ways. do. I blend the two together quite often. And Yuzna, like all this kind of... Yeah, yeah. there's these kind of uh, yeah. gore, kind of splatterpunk type filmmakers in a way. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Ari the Rugged Man is an interesting guy either way. Uh, again, like I said, take I, I can take or leave his music, but some people might be into it. Some people might absolutely hate it. I don't know. Whatever. But he's definitely an interesting character and uh, definitely one of the... Uh, the great movie collectors. I know uh, if you're like me, sometimes I like to look at people's movies. You know whose movie collection I want to see? I want to see Martin Scorsese's. Because I've heard that he just has cabinets and cabinets and cabinets of films on VHS, Laserdisc, DVD, Blu-ray. That he just has fucking cabinets of these fucking things. Like, you know, just about everything that's ever came out. That's oh, what I, yeah. I, I would, you know, I'd be a kid in a candy store just looking at videos of that shit. I guarantee you that dude's like double dipped on so many releases. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, he probably, knowing him, Scorsese, he he probably gets sent a lot of shit, right? He's probably got every release from like from film to like 4K. Yeah, if I'm, everything in between. If I'm a distributor, I'm like, hey, scores, hey, you know, Marty, you want you want this one? You want this one? And of course, yep. he's the kind of filmmaker who would appreciate, you know, like us, class and trash, right? He, oh yeah. One of the reasons why I think we champion Scorsese so much is that he's. He covers all bases. Well, I think we'll talk about Scorsese quite a bit when we talk about Cows versus Thugs, actually. Oh, we totally will. We yeah. totally will. Because I, I was getting a very heavy Scorsese vibe. Big time. That's what I said to my mom. She was watching a few minutes of it with me, and I said, yeah, he's like the Japanese Scorsese. Yeah. I was yeah. how Billy Friedkin loves him and all that. So. But, uh, yeah, I don't really have a whole lot more to say. I think this is – I think <sighs> it's like this is maybe the most Hidden Lotter film. I know you could argue that Frankenhooker is as well. But to me, this one kind of hits all the the right notes as far as he goes, as far as the gore, the kind of rotoscoping color uh, windshields and things like that. That's pretty fun, actually, by the way. There's some prolonged death scenes that are ridiculous uh, of Elmer going through the frontal lobe. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. Which are, are fun. And and the movie's brisk. It's, a, it's Like I said, it's a short 86 minutes. I never felt like, outside of, like I said, of them showing the opening of his mouth, uh, maybe one too many times or maybe two too many times. Uh, it really felt like it was a nice kind of quick pace and a fun movie. Uh, I think it's a good movie to watch with, like if you if you got like some buddies who've never seen like this type of horror film or want to see a horror film of this era, it's kind of a good one to throw on. But obviously you can't, you know, throw it on, you know, when the kids are around because you're going to be explaining. You got some explaining oh. to do. You're going to have oh, some yeah. explaining to do big time because it deals with, relationships, sexuality and stuff. And I really liked, I don't know if you guys felt this way, but I really found that scene where uh, the lead character goes underwater in the beginning, very hypnotizing, very, uh, very kind of therapeutic in a weird way. It was a very interesting, low budget uh, visual trick that he did. that really worked for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, that blue that water. Works, I kept thinking where that blue where did that blue water come from. I kept thinking it must be like toilet bowl cleaner or something. But uh, yeah. oh, I know, eh? Tidy bowl. Yeah, yeah tidy yeah. bowl. That's what I kept thinking. But uh, at the same time, I was like, isn't it kind of cool how like, well, I mean, maybe this is just me being particular, but I liked how nothing, everything stayed underwater, like nothing was mm-hmm. floating to the top, like the water was just coming in. So obviously, it was a nice visual way of showing that kind of euphoric kind of blue fluid they keep dropping on the brain because they always go to a close-up of a brain 
And from what I understand, those are real brains, and he's just kind of like dripping fluid onto the real brains for the close-ups. So, oh yeah, those are real brains, real real brains, real brains. <laughs> those, are, those, those are them real brains. <laughs> yo yo yo. <laughs> That's all. That's I got. Me all as, as always, uh, a great release from Arrow. Like I said, super super awesome uh, extras. You get a nice like uh, twenty or thirty minute interview with Henlotter. Uh, live, and then you got a commentary with Henlotter and somebody. Uh, I think there's a couple other bits and pieces on there as well. There's a there's a uh, a little uh, piece on a guy that's like an uber fan of brain damage that was fucking bizarre in some ways. I don't know if you guys got a chance to check that out, but if you do, it's only like 10 minutes long. It's really fucking interesting and, and crazy that somebody's this big a fan of one movie. I always find it very interesting when somebody latches onto one film. Somewhere. Yes. Um, but yeah, that's my thoughts on brain damage. You guys want to Carry on. Twitter? Uh, yeah, I'll take a swipe at this. Um, the uh, One of the things that starts off the film uh, when you're in the uh, apartment of the two old people, well, two things that I noticed. Uh, number one is that they're called the Ackermans, which would be like a direct reference to Forey Ackerman, who uh, did famous monsters of film land for however many years, which influenced a lot of these guys like, uh, you know, this guy and um, Dante and, and oh, yeah, yeah. all those sorts of uh, sorts of uh, filmmakers. Uh, but one of the more interesting things is there's a, a book on the shelf that we see a couple of times it's called Liquid Pain. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it, it kind of it kind of directs uh, you know directly back to the whole Elmer thing and uh, his shooting his little pee pee stamen deal into the back of people's heads. Um, also, a lot of um, totems and anatomy illustrations, pagan worship, uh, oh, yeah. and you know it all comes back around uh, in the end. You know, which I think is really kind of the brilliant part of this, uh, brilliant part of the movie is that it is. Um, it's exploitation, but you know it's it's got ideas behind it. Even though, uh, in some ways, it's kind of easy about them. Um, I think that you know it, it it's still really brilliant in the way that uh, Hanenlotter takes the things that he loves and marries them to these kind of uh, simple and, uh, and kind of grimy ideas. Uh, the exploitation, the grindhouse kind of elements. Um, and I, the, one of the first things I thought of was the Aylmer was kind of like a Mogwai in a way, the way yeah. that we start off the film, yeah. uh, you know, something that's desired by everybody, but you know, gets kind of carried away and find, winds up in a different kind of home. Um, Henenlotter himself, you know, he's always been kind of, uh, a true independent maverick. Uh, he's got that spirit, he's, you know, like we've been saying, he's the lover of the genre. Uh, and that really comes through throughout the film. Um, I also I got don't a, think uh, he's ever made a studio picture. I think everything he's ever done has been independent. Yeah. Um, when the Ackermans are, are uh, you know, foaming at the mouth in the opening there, you get kind of shades of, uh, you know, some Cronenberg stuff like Shivers and that. Oh, yeah. uh, and you could you could even easily, you know, compare this to Shivers in, the, in a, a bunch of different ways. Um, let's see. Do, 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 do. When uh, when Brian wakes up in bed with blood uh, with blood all over the place, uh, we've all been there. Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, waking up with something in your bed. Again, some of us just last night. <laughs> Man, that's right. But it's funny you mentioned Cronenberg because I, I also you know you feel like th- that period from sort of late seventies to late eighties there was that the body horror stuff with again Yuzna, Cronenberg, uh mm-hmm. Hannon Lauder with some grosser stuff. But there's 
you know, body stuff and just the awareness of how things are affecting body. It does, there seem to be a real focal point with that versus just sort of your mindless kind of splatter, right? Like, yeah, I don't know. It, it just, it's interesting to see that, that uh, pack of filmmakers and what they were doing. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, do let me see uh well yeah uh, you know obviously clearly the film's about addiction and the price paid uh but i find it kind of interesting that brian didn't choose aylmer uh and i think that's part of the point and i think it's also going back to what we were saying about the you know the comical penis metaphor with the with the aylmer um and why it's that way it's because at least in part i think it's a little bit easier to digest uh it makes um the choice of the addiction for Brian uh, a little more appealing. Um, like when he, you know, he says to him, uh, the Elmer says, you know, I'll do all your thinking for you. It's that kind of thing. You know, it's supposed to be kind of like, you know, he, he looks gross, but he's kind of charming. And that's where that dopey, disgusting kind of uh, dichotomy of the, the monster comes from. Uh, you do get some Bava-esque lighting uh, throughout the movie. Some nice, uh, you know, dark you do. reds. Really great lighting. All yeah. the way through there. Yeah. Um, and yeah, you get, the, you get the Hen and Lauder, uh, the Hen and Lauder staples, like, um, you know, how he loves long shots of guys running down dark city streets. Uh, you got, uh, slum hotels and, you know, you got stories about like that symbiotic parasitic relationship, uh, going on, which is, I think j- almost all of his movies with possibly oh, the exception yeah. of, uh, Frank and Hooker. Um, big time. The hallucination effects are about as good as they could be. Um, yeah, I, I think some, you know some work better than others, uh, but you know that comes with the territory. That comes with you know working with like a dollar fifty for a budget. Uh, in the, in a, oh, the junkyard scene—you got a security guard who absolutely loves this fucking job. Yeah. Oh man, takes, yeah. takes it a little too seriously. Dirty Harry. Yeah, yeah right. So it's uh, funny we have two movies uh, this uh, week where you know we got security guards and checks at some point. Yeah, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, after Brian gets involved with the Aylmer, he spends lots of time in the bathroom, quote-unquote, cleaning himself. Yeah. Uh, yes. So you get the well, obvious illusion going on there. What about that bizarre yeah. scene where him and Elmer are playing in the tub? Yeah, right? <laughs> That's fucking weird, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, know, I, should, I know. We should say the, the budget for this film, I think uh, that Hennelotter made this for forty grand. <clears throat> Was it that little? Yeah, I thought I it was so. a lot more than that. that like, like a million or something. I think it's only forty grand. Wow! If it's forty grand, you could stretch a dollar better than Baba. Speaking of Baba, oh, hell yeah! Uh, <clears throat> you get that that brain meatball scene. Oh yeah. Uh, which is that gross. was? Oof, that was gross. Yeah, right. I, what was grosser to you guys? I was going to ask you that, or like the pizza head scene from like Nightmare on Elm Street four or five. Uh. Remember, like the heads. This, this was a little. This was a little grosser. Yeah, this was because they were pulsating, right? Yeah, right. Just, Anything that pulses pulsates is kind of gross. Yeah. The, yeah. Uh, the, yeah, because you got the movement. Anything with movement, it always bothers me. Uh, but I should say, IMDb says nine hundred thousand dollars budget. Yeah, I was going to say before someone says actually, guys. But I could have swore I saw was, in that interview that Tim Lauder said he only had forty grand. But I think I think he had forty grand with Basket Case. Yeah, I think he had me. Maybe he only had forty grand to make it, but maybe they pumped in another eight hundred and sixty for promotion. I don't know. Mm-hmm. You never know. I mean, that promotion's a lot of money. Yeah. Still, budget. still nine hundred thousand dollars for this movie. I mean, I think it looks good for nine hundred k. Oh, fantastic! Nineteen eighty eight. We're not talking. I mean, they were, we were making. You know, Hollywood was making some big movies in eighty eight. 
the metaphoric stories uh, is pretty standard uh, for me. For uh, you know, it's it's the situations Henelotter puts the characters in that's interesting, and the relationship that Brian has with uh, Elmer. Um, that's really kind of the thing for almost all of uh, of Henelotter. Well, from what Henelotter I've seen uh, is that you know he just kind of the stories themselves, like the, the premises, are not really all that outstanding. It's where he goes with them. Uh, and you know what depths he'll go to, and where he'll take the the characters. Uh, it's it, it's that kind of um, it's the singer, not the song sort of uh, yes sort of thing going on. And uh, and Henry I think does it about as well as anybody can. Um, when Brian goes into withdrawal, uh, you know, dude, his fucking t-shirt. Yeah, I was wondering is that is that supposed to be poo vomit or brown sweat or all of the above? It's just, yeah, right. It's just yeah. it, dude. It's just painted on him. It's gross. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but one of the one of the other things is that the, you know there's really not much development of the other characters, um, and I don't know whether or whether that was a mistake because of what happens a little bit later on um, mm. when when his brother does kind of step over the line. Um, you know, it, it, I don't think there's as much resonance uh, as there could be. But at the same time, I also think that that scene and uh, you know Brian's reaction to it is the important thing about that. Um, I think that 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 was number one. It was the best hallucina- hallucination scene in the film, uh, and the emotional scene that comes directly after it is fantastic. I think it's really uh, probably one of the best scenes in the film. But what happens after that um, is that. I don't like. I mean, like I've been saying, because we really haven't built up uh, the other characters. Uh, I think the other uh, his brother's Mike and his uh, girlfriend's Barbara. Uh, they really haven't been built up too much outside of just being kind of on the periphery. Um, I don't know that what happens to them feels as tragic as it is supposed to, or it could have. Um, and it's just, it's a slight misstep, but I think that you know, with the focus being more on Brian and his addiction. Um, you know, it, it, you could really go one way or the other on that. Uh, I think it's it, effective, if I may say so. I think it's just fine because I think it gives us more sympathy for our lead, which ultimately is what we need to care about in order to care about the film as a whole. Well, that's a good point. And like, and like I said, I mean, like I said, it, it, it pays off with the, the great emotional scene directly after when he walks in mm-hmm. uh, to the living room. Um, Hen and Lauder, you know, uh, shoots the New York subways fantastically. Oh, and yeah. it, it, that looks like uh, a New York subway, um, in every way, shape, and form. Do uh, and then pretty much, uh, it's really kind of a, a brilliant finale um, that uh, you know pays off in the only way that it can. Um, it's a great summation of uh, of everything that Henlotter's been leading up to, and I think that uh, you know it works uh, fantastically. Not only. Uh, on a genre level, but on a metaphoric level, uh, and you know, you could read it any number of ways. Um, but uh, yeah, it, it works all the way around. Um, I, yeah, I dig this one. I, I don't. Th- I don't know that it's top tier. Uh, Hand and Lauder for me. I, I personally would go with Frank and Hooker of the ones that I've seen. Um, but uh, yeah, no, this is strong, strong output from the man, and you know, it just shows that he's you know a singular 
uh, voice and vision in uh, you know genre cinema. So keep them going. <laughs> That's all I got, brother. Nice. I'll try to be very brief. You guys covered a lot of ground, obviously. Um, what else do we got here? I, I tell you this. You know, I love that um, Arrow takes on all comers like with both of our films i think they're a really great representation of what they do as a label um which you know yeah we toot their horn but as sammy said and tam tam todd shares the same sentiment you know they cover stuff that we would put out um it's not just your lazy slashers it's stuff that you know henlotter the more i see of his work um because it's just somehow eluded me as a youngster um there's a lot to admire at a time when it was easy to make a quick buck doing power ballads or doing slasher films. So I kudos to him for making, like I said, being an auteur, as Sam had said. Uh, uh, I think, you know, it's really great um, to see what he's doing, what he had to say in film. Uh, it's cool to see he's like the gross, pervy grandson of uh, Harryhausen with... Or, gay, or at least Gabe Bartolos is, and I like his stuff. I mean, you know, a bit of a misstep with the eyes and so forth, but um, there are some really great practical effects with, um, like, Elmer burrowing into the heads. And yeah, and, and a little blood, bit of stop motion. The stop motion stuff, yeah. The blood yeah. works great. I think the blood looks really good in the film. The scene in the the, the, the toilet stall is really good. It's effective. Um, really, really good. Um uh, I think the brain die sequence is is simple but effective, um, and I got to give it up too. At first, I thought we were going to get another kind of like um, full moon esque score for the film, but uh, Gus uh, Russo or Russo and Clutch Peters, I think his name is, sounds like a porn name. Um, <laughs> they did the score for the film. There's a couple of really effective pieces of music, like when he's walking around New York by himself and. Um, the junkyard scene music, it really feels like a synthy version of the seven notes in black theme. So I was pleasantly surprised with some of the score for the film. Um, I like that too, it varies from sort of the story in this isn't um, final girl or final boy versus killer, right? It's it's nice to see that in a horror film. I mean, it really is. Um, burr, 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 the city and isolation and all that good stuff we talked about um, uh, there's some funny stuff which again has been covered uh, tough tits we mentioned um, tough of tit as you said tough of tit yeah which I love I think yeah he is tough of tit I, I gotta say this film could have been a lot more unwatchable and unlikable if Rick Hurst hadn't have been as sympathetic and the character hadn't been as sympathetically written and directed by Henenlotter. Yeah. We've seen stuff like Street Trash. Street Trash to me is a loud, gross, ugly film. Now, it's not to say there isn't entertainment value, but everyone in that film is so fucking repulsive. Yeah. Just pieces of shit. Whereas in this, there's sympathy for uh, Brian, the lead. In spite of what his girlfriend does, that scene on the subway is a tough watch. Yeah, like there's some is. emotional oomph to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, for a splattery, pervy horror film, that that's you know commendable. Um, what else do we got? There's a cameo. You know there's a cameo there too for the Hinnlotter fans, the Hinnlotter universe, right? So, yep. For the basket yeah, case you know castle. I don't have a whole lot more to add. Um, 
other than to say, you know, this was uh, this was a good one. Pleasant surprise, man. I've enjoyed all the Henelotter I've seen. I mean, and it was interesting to me. It's always interesting to watch 80s stuff now because a lot of our listeners and members of our group, and even myself with the stuff I grew up with, like The Warriors and Last Dragon, I can't separate myself fully from uh, at his first fan versus critic or armchair fucking critic, whatever you want to say. Yep. So to come to this stuff fresh was interesting to see. So yeah, it's tough. I mean, that, like if somebody was to ask me to, there's certain films like you know the, they ask if we why we haven't reviewed uh, you know some of your big pivotal uh, midnight quote unquote midnight cinema type films. Uh, it'd be hard for me to review some of them because. Uh, I don't know. There's a there's an emotional attachment to them. It's hard to review films you're emotionally attached to, which I think is a totally different thing than films you watch for uh, entertainment purposes or for the experience. Uh, you know, because there's films I grew up with, obviously, um, that I'm emotionally attached to. I mean, I'd have a hard time with some of the Friday the Thirteenth. I'd have some. Hard, I had a hard time even with Halloween when we did it because, to me, I'm so attached to it. You know, and I gave it a ten. And the reason one of the reasons why I gave it a ten is because I'm just so attached to it. You know, and. It's, it's really difficult when you go back and do that kind of stuff. And, like, even now, like, uh, if somebody was to ask me my honest opinion of uh, Disney's Moana, I've watched it, like, 900 times over the last year because my, my daughter loves it. So it's always on in the background or something. I cannot give you a critical review of that. Wow, exactly. If, if I wanted to because, uh, you know, it, it's just, like, it's part of our lives. So I don't really know... <laughs> I don't even it's know how to, to separate. Yeah, I don't even know how to separate it. So from film, sort of your heart versus your head. And one thing we forgot to mention was the uh, the uh, basket case Easter egg on the subway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I kind of I kind of mentioned a little bit. But that, oh, that, did you? My bad. I'm yeah, even away then. Yeah, that was a terrible wig. That was. <laughs> oh, that is a that is a bad bad wig. <laughs> a bad wig. And how? And Zachary, that's his name, right? Yeah, the horror host. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think he does a great job with the voice. Yeah, I do too. It's very soothing and stuff, and it kind of fits the... Old-timey radio kind yeah. of. Hey there, bud. How you doing? <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, so uh, my MVT, I'm going to go uh, Hen and Lauder, although I do agree with uh, Will. I think that the lead is very sympathetic, and that helps quite a bit. Uh, but I'm going to give that to Hen because he could have easily also made that lead abrasive or repulsive or any other number of things. But you do feel for the guy in some ways, and you kind of feel for his girlfriend too. You know, she's going through something too, so it's she's obviously in love with him, uh, even though she ends up, you know, sleeping with the brother. But I mean, she's it's it's an ugly situation. She's kind of you know in a bad spot. So not saying it's I'm not going to judge one way or another. There's no judgment here. It's just a movie, but it's 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 a bad spot to be in. Let's put it that way. And he's like out of it during that dinner scene. It's like. <laughs> If I went on a date with somebody and they were that out of it, I'd be like, fuck this person, dude, whatever. Uh, make or break. Uh, man, that's tough. I really like that opening uh, hallucination scene a lot. Um, but I don't think that's really what the movie's about in so many ways. I I, I guess I would go with the, the, the repulsive. I, this is going to sound terrible. But I guess it's the repulsive kind of like. Uh, hookup scene with the blowjob turd thing. I guess uh, <laughs> it's just so gross, you know, in so many ways, and uh, yet so hinder in so many ways as well. So that's what I'd probably go with. Uh, the score, I, I give it a seven point two five. Uh, I do think it would score higher for me if he didn't revisit things so much. Like I said, you get a lot. Of, you get at least three to maybe four close ups of Elmer opening his mouth, and those take time. And uh, those things start to, t- to get tedious after a while. Like, he revisits them quite a bit. Uh, that junkyard scene, by the way, I forgot to mention, that that's 
I love the way it looks. It looks uh like something it looks great. So eighties, right? You know that those cars stacked on top of each other and people running. Oh, through so eighties. Because uh, nowadays it'd probably be too unsafe to be running through a bunch of junk cars. You get cut or things fall down or whatever. So mm-hmm. the, the quality of junkyard uh, stacking has probably went down over the years. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but, uh, yeah, I'll say 7.25. Like I said, I think it's even at 86 minutes, there's bits of it that feels stretched. Um, but man, there's some really great set pieces in this and, uh, it was a fun watch. That's all I got. All right. Uh, let's see. Make or break, uh, is going to be the, uh, the sex scene, the hallucination and the dramatic scenes immediately after, um, like I've been saying, you know, I think that they really are the summation of everything that Henlotter is trying to get to. Uh, and I think that, you know, it's that ultimate price that gets paid and the, uh, the way that the, the character is, is seen by that point in time. Um, you, you get the, the full idea of exactly what he's gotten himself into. Uh, MBT is going to be Henlotter. You know, he's a, a, a the guy's a, a really satisfying genre director and he's always got interesting ideas going on. Um, that he's able to do on yeah absolute shoestring budgets so good on him. Uh, the score for me is a six point seven five out of ten. Um, yeah, it, it like I've been saying, it's not his best, I don't think, but it's you know it's up there and it's definitely worth a watch. Nice. Make or break scene for me is a tough one as well. Um, I guess I'm gonna go with that subway scene at the back end. I really like the the blowjob scene, which is insane and. It's gross and it's effective, um, but I'm gonna go with that back end subway scene because you're kind of thinking, even though there's some kind of ropey like um, rotoscoping or I don't know what fucking animation it was, but you know, even though it's a bit, a little bit dodgy, I just there's there's tension in that scene. There's a few scenes in this film where Hanlotter shows he can kind of use tension effectively, and it's not just all fart and dick and blood jokes, right? Or fart and dick jokes and blood. Um, so I'm going to go to the subway scene. My MVP is Hanenlotter. Even though I think the lead performance is, is very good for a horror film, that comes from direction and script. Um, and Hanenlotter did both. And my scores are 7.25. Uh, I really like this one. And uh, I'm going to be really anxious to go back and listen to the commentary track. Because um, I think there's a commentary track with Hanenlotter, no? Yeah, there is. There is. Yeah, so I'm really excited to go, go, to go listen to that. Um, this was a good one, man. I'm really, really happy to be able to come to Hanenlotter at this point and, and dig in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, all right, so that's our review of uh, Brain Damage. Again, pick up the Arrow released. Go over to Diabolic DVD. Tell them the GGTMC sent you. Got to pay the bills. All right. We're going to take a short break, and then we're going to come back and discuss Cops versus Thugs. One of the great titles, really. I mean, it, <laughs> You can't Simple, ask for more, yet yeah. effective. You can't ask for a more, more blunt title to a film. Uh, we'll be back right after this.
everybody. Welcome back. So our next film is uh, Cops vs. Thugs. <coughs> Excuse me. I'm losing my voice a little bit. Uh, so I will not be leading on this review. <laughs> but Sammy versus throat infection. Yeah. Sammy versus sinus infection part two for this. <laughs> no. I definitely don't have the fighting spirit sometimes. <laughs> Inside jokes there. Uh, so uh, Cops vs. Thugs, 1975, directed by Kinji Fukasaku which I do have the IMDb up, so I will read the plot synopsis. Acting boss Hirotani of the Ohara gang uses his friendship with corrupt cop Kuno to usurp, 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 a stage land deal Lip. that rival Yakuza gang Kawada had arranged through local politicians. Open warfare erupts between the two gangs. So... There what I want to know is when you're going to pronounce the Japanese title. Ah, yes, yes. You want to know that, don't you? Ken, <laughs> I missed it last week. <laughs> Kenkei Tai Shoshiki Boyuko. <laughs> we allow that. Kenkei Tai Shoshiki Boyuko. Yeah, that's more like it. Man. That is much more like it. There's a lot of that in this movie. A lot of uh, gr- oh. groaning. If it was a drinking game, we'd all be dead. <laughs> we would be. We definitely would be dead, yes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I think what my favorite thing about that type of Japanese speak, that that vocal inflection, I think my favorite thing is about is there's always that little, uh, you know, right before they the say lead it. The lead in, the ramp up. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh shit, here it comes. <laughs> like he calls yeah, man. say something, yeah. The build up. But yeah, yeah. Kinji Fukusaku, he's been on the show before. I know we've done something by him, surely. We did. We did with Jakey. We've been trying to get the Battles uh, series. With uh, with our dude uh, on Cool Cat. Oh yes, uh, that's a that's a commitment. Yes, that is. We did. Um, fuck, which one did we do with him? Uh, uh, police tactics. No, I think police tactics. Maybe, maybe. I can't remember now. It's been a long time. Proxy war, police tactics. Maybe one of those two. No, 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 not proxy war. That's one of the battles. Films. I think I thought police tactics was too. Maybe it's not. I don't know. Maybe it is. You know what? Bumbling around. We did yeah. a film. I should say Fukusaku was, yeah, he was very prolific around this period. I mean, he was Dude. Really cranking them out. I think it was maybe Violent Panic. Uh, yeah, that sounds familiar. Violent Panic, but we yeah. should say... Forgive us, we've done, we've done a lot of films. <laughs> we, yeah, he did five, speaking of a lot of films, Fukusaku did five films the year this came out. Yeah, I know, it's crazy. Five. It's it was in between the the, uh, the Yakuza Paper series. He, he did this. That like, is that's crazy. ask yeah, it is Mike. It is. Yep. Or is Mike Fukusaku ask? <gasps> boom. Yeah, boom goes the dynamite. <laughs> Mind blown. <laughs> Woo. All right, who's taking the lead? Oh, by the way, also this one you can watch on, if you're a Prime Video member, you can watch this on Amazon Prime. Arrow does do, uh, they do put some of their releases out on uh, Prime, Amazon Prime sometimes. So Nice. It's a pretty good. Uh, it's a pretty good print too. I watched. Uh, I watched it half and half, Blu-ray and Amazon Prime. So nice, pretty good. Mm. Had to watch a little bit of this one on the go because that's the way life works. That's the way life works for real. Unfortunately. Uh, Will you want me to take uh, take uh, the synopsis? Lead? Oh, the lead. Yeah, sure. If you don't mind. All right. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah I talked to. Uh, let's see. Okay. Uh, film starts off with. Uh, some guys getting ready to, to do a little raid. 
And the first thing that pops into my head is whether or not hard-boiled eggs before a raid is a good idea or a bad one. Man, that was my um, first note, actually, too. <laughs> Dude, what? Out of anything that you could buy to eat before a raid, hard-boiled eggs just seems kind of, I don't know. It's bad for a few reasons. Well, the, 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 your enemies are going to smell you coming, first of all. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Oh, were, they pick, so, were they just hard-boiled eggs? Or, now, if they're pickled eggs, this is a different conversation. No, no, I, I'm pretty sure they were hard-boiled because yeah. he just pulls them out of a... Um, yeah. Like a, like a basket or whatever. I'm a huge like fan. Of, I'm a huge fan of pickled eggs. So uh, you know, pickled Me eggs too. at that point, fuck it. I'm eating pickled eggs. I don't care what I'm doing right there. <laughs> but we're getting ready to fuck. You, I'm eating a pickled egg. <laughs> but you're trying to like throw down some some, some vocal inflections, and you're gonna have pasty mouth. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. That mush is so bad. Oh, the mush. I just can. That can taste. And there's always there's always that little. And whenever you're yelling, then there's always that little bit of egg that's like stuck on your fucking lip, and you just oh. look like an asshole. Or it flies yeah. out. It flies out while like you're an talking. asshole. <laughs> <laughs> flies out of your mouth onto somebody else's shirt. It's like, yeah, I'm sorry about that. Man. Onto one of those owls, man. <laughs> Jeez. Uh, <laughs> but this is uh, this is when we're introduced to uh, the uh, Bunta Sugawara character, uh, whose name is Kuno, and. At first, uh, the initial thing that you get is a bit of a Popeye Doyle vibe from him. Totally. Um, yeah. because, but then, you know, because he lets the guys go, then you kind of are like, okay, is he doing that because he's – if you don't know anything about the film going in, it, it's because, you know, you're either thinking to yourself, well, either he's he's letting them go because it, it just makes his job as a cop easier because if the, if the bad guys all kill each other, then – he has that many uh, that many less people that he has to arrest, or is he letting them go because you know he knows something that that they don't know, or he's you know got something else going on? Uh, and as it turns out, it's a little bit of the uh, the the latter um, uh, I think, I of think, the two. Yeah, I think also it's it's a nice. And this is what I meant by some Scorsese s moments. There's definitely some for those who are more familiar with Scorsese's films and Fukusaku's films. There's definitely some carryover here because. It's a nice entrance where you don't know the Sugawara film uh, character. You don't know what his stance is. And then, you you know, about five, ten minutes later, you don't know what the Hiroki Matsukata, uh, you don't know what his angle is at first either. Like, like Fukusaku's, uh, he's playing with you a little bit. Like, which one's cop, yeah. which oh, yeah. one's... Uh, Expectations, well, right? Yeah. Well, and it's really, really interesting that, you know, when you bring up Scorsese in this context, you know, number one, you get an uh, infernal, infernal, infernal affairs Infernal vibe, I almost said. Uh, infernal affairs infernal vibe. Vibration. That's right. Yeah. Ooh, give me that Zomphir flute. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, obviously that was remade by Scorsese as The Departed. Yep. Yeah. So, you know, you got to, I mean, the plot, even if you went by nothing else, is uh, is very similar among the three films. Yeah, yeah. yeah, so. yeah. It is. It, it definitely had that feel, and it just felt like a scorsese-esque slash infernal affairs slash infernal mm -hmm. affairs remake slash goodfellas mm -hmm. almost mm -hmm. in some ways and when i say goodfellas i'll say that because of some of the the eating scenes yeah there's a lot of scenes yeah. around tables drinking beer smoking cigarettes uh sake oh sake yep. a lot of that, of that man yeah. it's flowing like water right although somebody gets some of those guys get really upset when he breaks the sake on the rocks oh man, man. That, yeah he that that's that's uh, verboten. <laughs> yeah. uh, I I love that uh, Yakuza thugs always huddle in a back room until they're needed to fight. 
Yes. It's like in it, almost every Toei film and, you know, almost every Yakuza film, uh, there, there's always that back room where they're just guys are literally, there'll be like five guys sitting on a desk yeah. just waiting for somebody to, to come in <laughs> so they could all jump at them. They can just, it, the other, it's the coiled up and they're always in a small ass room. Yeah. <laughs> and it's always smoke filled and you could just smell oh, it. Yeah. And yeah. every motherfucker in there's like oily. And somebody's yep. always rocking. Sunglasses. Somebody is always, I don't give a fuck what is going on. <laughs> somebody is always rocking a Hawaiian print or some type Dude, of shirt with the, with the collar outside the shirt there's always one loud motherfucker there. always one motherfucker that's taking it to another level when it comes the next to next level man the next level I seen, always i have seen so many yakuza films and there's always that one fucking guy <laughs> i guess personal expression is alive and well inside organized crime in japan yeah Oh yeah, Ooh. man! It's great though. I mean, I, I, I mean, I, I'm always gravitated toward that guy. I'm always like, oh yeah, this is the guy. This is the guy. That, <laughs> this is the guy that's either one going to be interrogated like very heavily and beat the shit yep. out of, or this is the guy that's going to cause them fucking problems down the road. It's always yep. yeah. it always seems to be the loud guy. Dude, you're right. There's never any middle ground. He's always usually the dude that gets the taste slapped out of his mouth first <laughs> yeah. by the cop. Or he's like the bodman of the whole group. Oh yeah, or, or the taste slapped out of his mouth by the, the by the guy the yakuza. Fuck, that's easy for me to say. The yakuza leader. <laughs> fuck man, I had a moment there. <laughs> too, too many hard boiled eggs in the basket. <laughs> <laughs> too many pickled eggs. Too many pickled cool, eggs. I was cool hand looking it, bro. <laughs> Some yolks are sticking. Man, tasty ass yolk. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. She. Yeah. <laughs> okay. That's, wait, wait, that's wait. right. Okay. That's right. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right. All right. Um, okay. <sighs> Breathe. Uh, all right. right. So uh, what you get a very quick understanding of is that cops are generally ineffective and or on the take. Um, you know, there's that scene. Uh, and I think it's the first time that we see Kenji. Uh, you know, he's basically having a gang meeting in a police station. Uh, you know, the, the the criminals in the film are all very, very upfront about their activities to the, oh, yeah. to the police. I mean, they make no fucking bones about it. Uh, and I think that that's kind of what Fukusako is going for in general with the yes. film is that that correlation between the two and the, the total corruption of, um, you know, the the – the cops and I, I wouldn't say well i i would almost say like the political structure yeah, in yeah. Uh, in certain areas of japan in general yeah so polit um, politically these two factions have to work together for the yeah they, the, it's they a feel. symbiotic relationship yeah. and they're interwoven and they make a point to show us the history of uh how they're interwoven predating the war yep, and yep. and i think like just to piggyback quickly on what you say before you jump off it todd some people would say, well, I had a hard time following. I didn't know who was who. And that is the fucking point. Yeah. Yes. They are interchangeable a lot of the time in terms of what they were doing and how they were doing it and who they were doing it with. It's just one guy decided to go this fork on the road. The other guy went this way. But really, at the end of the day, they're still in bed together. Yeah. 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 And well, and it, it's, it's really interesting because, you know, you don't. Yeah. I mean, when that scene opens, you, you're, not, you're expecting the, the guy who answers the phone. Uh, to either you well, you're expecting one of two things. You're either expecting it to be not a police station, or you're expecting it to be a cop who answers the phone. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, it turns out to be, you know, Kenji, who's a straight yeah. up Yakuza. The way so, he shoots it, you know, I mean, you immediately think it's a cop. But then you start to, if you look at, like, Matsuz- Matsukata, I almost said Matsuzaka, Matsukata's <laughs> uh, face, you can almost tell, you know, he's got the, the Cooper kind of down look. He does that a lot in this film, uh, Hiroki oh, Matsuzaka. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He, he's got, I, I found him very uh, deviously charming in this movie. Oh, yeah. Um, this This is an interesting movie because this is a movie where, I, everybody's bad and in a way you kind of want them all to get away with it it's 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 it, it you know it's playing with the conventions of heroes and villains in a lot of ways because i liked a lot of the yakuza guys i liked a lot of the cops i liked the old cop who felt like he was doing what was right to raise his family yeah mm-hmm. um i just i mean I, I like that he's playing he's playing with that on both sides of the fence like the whole way through the movie the entire running time it's never really it never really, except for the 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 commissioner that comes in later, the guy that was trained in judo. So don't fight him. Oh, oh. Mm-hmm. Uh, That's right. And man, he gets flips for days. Yeah, I was gonna say that dude flips everybody. <laughs> it was a two fucking eight for one deal on flips that day, man. He did that. Man, that old dude gets flipped. He took a few bumps on the set that day. Got more hip tosses than fucking Jerry Lawler in his prime. Man. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but they uh, he just uh, it. it he he's about the only character I feel like really kind of puts his foot in the ground because because at that point yep. it's a plot device right. Yeah. But it's interesting. Uh, I won't get too much, but I just wanted to say that out loud though that I that I felt as equally attached to Kenji Hiratani, the leader of this or the sub leader of this Ohara gang, as I felt to the uh, Bunta Sugawara character, Detective Kuno, who uh, you know he he's obviously the easier character to identify with. I think. But. Well, I, yeah, I don't, I don't know that you're really you. Well, you get more backstory of yeah. uh, of Kuno's perspective, yeah, uh, than you do from Kenji. Although you certainly get the idea of why these two guys are so tight, yeah, yeah. Um, and I think that that's part of the rationale uh, for uh, what they do in the film, because there's you know there's uh, and I think that. Uh, the, uh, the Kuno character sums it up, you know, his philosophy is basically, you know, if you can't beat him, join him. Mm-hmm. Uh, because he's always been familiar with uh, police corruption. And when he was growing up, you know, after the war, uh, I think uh, he says something to the effect of, uh, I wanted to be a taker or something, or That's a snatcher. Right. He, he says, I wanted to be a snatcher because yep. the cops back then would just take whatever the fuck they wanted. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, you know, you get why he's doing it. Whether or not you agree with it is really kind of uh, inconsequential to the film itself, but right, right. Um, it, it's about the the situation. The, the these people, and I think Good Goodfellas is a really good uh, analogy to the film because they're not necessarily people that you like, um, but they are compelling because of uh, what they do and why they do it. Right? I mean. That's really the more interesting thing. It's not so much whether or not you you give a shit whether these guys all die. Uh, it's you know why are they doing this? You know what are they getting out of it? What's the relationship between these two guys? Why is it like that? And so on and so forth. Um, and I think that that's what makes you know things like this works well. And I I would say, I mean personally for me, and I'll, I'll I think I'll get to this. I think it's in my notes somewhere. But um, yeah, you get you get like the, the tiny thin little pieces of backstory. Uh, but for me, um, it got more interesting when, uh, when the O'Hara character gets out of prison and the, uh, the judo guy comes in 
bear, get the fuck out of here, man. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, the dog's trying to. Bear's like, what's going on, dude, man? I got a few things I want to like, drop. Hey, you want to pet me? Yeah. Pet me. I'm going to lick you. <laughs> yeah. um, pet me, man. I think it got a little more interesting at that point because for me at least, and and this is the problem that I have with a lot of Toei films, is that uh, they tend to sprawl. Uh, you know, they tend to be almost plotless uh, up to a point. I mean, you have the, you have the thing with the like the land deal, and you have like the characters, you know, kind of bipping and bopping around. But they tend to sprawl, and they tend to be a little bit repetitive, um, at least in terms of uh, you know just not really they, they spin their wheels for me in uh in for one of a better term i don't know if that makes sense mm-hmm. um but uh you know and i get that because you, you're supposed to be following the the characters you're not supposed to really be so much involved in um the specifics of what they're doing um is he gone no okay never mind anyway <laughs> uh so now that i've just completely flew off the rails because of the fucking dog (laughs) (sighs) okay uh let's see notes uh you have the this kenji's talking about the uh the the one uh lady at the bar uh and he's standing there rubbing the crotch of his rusty nail uh suit yeah yeah man (laughs) dude i i have never never in my life when i'm talking about a woman have i stood there just grabbing at it I'd be uncomfortable if I stand next to somebody and they start double. Like, well, dude, what are you doing, man? So, yeah, right. <laughs> are you getting started without me? Yeah. <laughs> uh, the interrogation room in the police station must stink from all the pants pissing. Oh, man. What is it with um, with Asian and Italian films with people getting scared and pissing? Like, I've never, I don't know that. that like, I mean, we get that so much. Like the ratio of terrified um, people getting interrogated or like scared in Asian or Italian films that urinates is just so far outweighs North American films. It's crazy. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I rambled through that, but I hope my point came across. <laughs> no, no, it made sense. It made sense. <laughs> um, yeah, but the film looks great. Uh, Fukusaku, you know, he does a lot of, of uh, really interesting visual stuff. It feels grimy. Uh, he uses really dirty color palette. The whole city looks unclean. Um, he does, uh, you know, he uses a lot of Dutch angles. He uses grainy black and white footage Ooh, for sorry. the for the flashbacks. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then there's that, you know, during the credits, you get that new style exposition to kind of bring you up to speed. So, you know, even if you don't know necessarily who all the characters are uh you do have an idea of uh of what's going on so you can kind of go from there because i mean like i've been saying you know the plot's not really that in, not really that not it's not 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 oh, fucking hell that's it's easy not for that you important. to say yeah. yeah right it's not that it's not that important you know it's just kind of like the, the plot of this is almost literally like a, just a regular old mcguffin um but uh yeah and uh Fukusaku's doing a really great job here, and the toy films of this time, they tend to, they can tend to blend together, uh, but they almost always satisfy. Uh, they do a great blend of uh, sleaze, uh, violence, and technical proficiency slash artfulness. That uh, is one of the great hallmarks of Japanese cinema, particularly yes. at this moment in time, uh, and up through what, like the, uh, the late eighties, mid eighties, somewhere in there. Mm-hmm. Maybe even the early 90s. But um, 
sex with Ken does not look like fun. Uh, it's <laughs> Man, very sweaty, yeah. very sweaty, very violent, and lots of wine dumping. Lots. <laughs> Holy fuck! Sweat, violence, and wine dumping is a as as unromantic a trifecta as one can imagine. I think, dude, it just look it looks so fucking gross to be in bed with this guy. <laughs> yeah, um, as if it's not messy enough. He's just dumping yeah, bottles, right. man. Eey. Uh, and you know, women in these movies are normally not treated all that well. They're usually treated pretty roughly, but in this movie, they're really abused. Oh uh, yes. Uh, and you know, I, I found it kind of interesting that it wasn't. I think until almost halfway through the movie that you ha- you have any idea that uh, Kuno's married at all. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. yeah. And, and 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 even better than that is that you know immediately after the scene with his wife is the scene with him and his mistress. That's right. So, uh, you know, it's this it's this kind of um, mindset of these guys that um, you know it's just another shading of the the, the characters. Um, do, 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 do. I already hit that one. Do, do. I like. Oh, that. Uh, I should say I like that scene a lot where uh, Sugar uh, Bunta. Let's just say Bunta. That'd be easier, right? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> where he's uh, passing out and. You know, spills his drink and stuff, and then Ken kind of comes over and sees that picture. I really like that scene a lot. <clears throat> maybe, maybe it's because I'm a family man now, but I mean, also, it just kind of shows that Ken, even though he's a a bad dude, there's a side to him, and then, of course, that makes it more pivotal later on, or that that scene's pivotal too, where you get the black and white flashback of that Ken was thoughtful enough. He's starving. He's done something awful, but he's he's thoughtful enough to wash the bowls. Which is yeah. why Bunta doesn't, um, you know, make the call to kind of turn him in and stuff, which I found fascinating. Yep. Yep. So at least you have this kind of mutual respect for each other that runs deeper than just the fact that they like each other or that it's financially successful for them. Or yeah, that's right. Or career yeah, successful yeah. for them. They, it's as simple as, hey, he washes bowls and, hey, he's got a daughter. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's, it's interesting. I mean, that, that's a dynamic I like a lot more. Well, yeah, it's the, yeah. No, no, I totally agree. Totally. Um, did you guys see the balls on the Great Dane that runs through the uh, the one the r- little raid there? They were <laughs> really, really, really fucking pink. Yeah, they were <laughs> really can, pink. I can say I freeze framed on some pink balls. That's all. Awesome. <laughs> That's amazing, dude. Not- I've seen some big nuts on dogs. <laughs> believe me. And these were some big pink balls. That, so that dreaded Sam. that dreaded soundbite you just created. <laughs> yeah, that, Sammy shakes hands with chimps. chimps. Todd inspects pink balls on dogs. There we go. I can show you. And then uh, Loaf Loaf feels, feels Loaf, like the old rubber balls and liquor Loaf, joke. Wasn't it Loaf? Loaf was infatuated with hog balls for a while. Remember hog balls? Yeah, that's right, man. Nice. Shout out to Loaf. Uh, if you're listening, Loaf, don't forget you do love the hog balls. Yeah, last week. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. There's that one cop who's just obsessed with commies. Yeah, that, and it's just man, he's all about the red scare. He is, man. Not the pink scare like that. Uh, those set of nuts. The, the, the uh, balls. Right. It's, what's interesting about that great dance scene? To go back to that, that is maybe <laughs> one of the most chaotic scenes I think ever filmed anywhere. I had no idea what the fuck was going on. I, uh, I can see why you were drawn to the pink balls because there were so many people in such I had a to small focus area. On something. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Keep your point of view. You get motion sickness <laughs> my, if you don't stay on the yeah, balls. My eye had to find something. 
<laughs> I was like, hey. But it is. It's absolute chaos. That's my bag. I was worrying the whole time. I'm sitting there watching. I'm like, oh, man, tell me tell me they don't shoot the dog. I got to say, I've never seen this film before, so this is the first time I watched it. No, so. me neither. So uh, I was like, oh, man, please don't shoot the dog. <laughs> you know, but they, they Yeah, right. Well, you wouldn't put it past them. No. no. Not, not even the, the cops, right? Not even the cops. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, cops, unfortunately, shoot dogs all the time. I mean, it's... It's something that has to happen sometimes. Sometimes it shouldn't mm-hmm. happen. I, was, I want to make sure I say that, so I play both sides of the political fence there. <laughs> <laughs> Liable to lose a couple listeners or a couple of Facebook yeah. friends over what I say. <laughs> hey. I, yeah, I know, I know. I've realized uh, over the last few weeks I've lost a few. I'm like, oh, okay, motherfuckers. Have you really? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I'd assume it's probably for some political type things I've said. What? Whatever. Uh, never mind. Okay. Uh, yeah, dude. If, if you're that petty, whatever. Yeah. Um, I think the film has a, a great finale and a really extensive epilogue, actually. Um, but it all, it, you know, it all kind of, it's really, really interesting because the, the guys, how to say this, um, without giving it away, uh, I thought it was really interesting what happens to the judo guy. Yeah. Uh, and you know, it's almost, it's very, very fitting. It's almost like, it's almost like this was a plan all along. He almost reminded yeah. me, he almost reminded me of Wayne Newton. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> he's kind of the Japanese Wayne Newton. Yeah. He's a little bit Ricky Takuchi too. Yeah. Yeah. yeah he, he, doesn't have the, he doesn't have the Schneider stash though. Yeah. It's funny. I do. I did find it appropriate and almost like a, another step up the ladder for his character. Like this mm-hmm. was just for him. He was more than willing to play the game. Yeah. Um, well, not I, play I, the game, but more than willing to use the police, um, the, his career or not career, but that job as a stepping stone to yeah, yeah. become a corporate. Because he's very much a corporate, buttoned up corporate guy, right? Which, yeah, is, yeah, which, yeah. which I think is the message there, right? He's using that Absolutely. as a stepping stone, but he's also stepping on what Kuno and Ken are using as stepping stones to get where they want to go, too, right? That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's a bit of um, a, a bit. Uh, rat race. Yeah, there's some hypocrisy going on there. Absolutely, yep. there is. Well, yeah, yeah, and I think you know, and, and hypocrisy is part of what goes through every character in the film, pretty much, oh, at everyone. some point or another. Uh, and then, of course, you know what happens to uh, to Kuno himself is, uh, you know, kind of that poetic justice. It's kind of tragic, but it's kind of like, well, you kind of had this coming, kind of thing. Um, so it's a great summation all the way around. Um, I, I do. I mean, like I've been saying, I do think that the first half was a little bit less. Uh, interesting for me a little bit uh, weaker but overall once the thing starts uh, really cooking it, it just goes and I, I liked it a lot do I think it's Fukusaku's best no um, I think that uh, he's done things that I enjoy more I was I was gonna say better but that would be the wrong thing to say uh, yeah, I think yeah, yeah. he's done things that I enjoy much more than this I like a lot of his, uh, I like a lot of his cheesy stuff like his yeah well I love green slime I, yeah, Green Slime's I, fun. Uh, uh, message uh, from Space. Battle Royale, I like more than this. Yeah, Message um, from Space, the kind of Star message Wars ripoff. That's a Vic Morrow, Sonny Sheba joint. We should cover that. Got a great yeah. cast. I think there's even more than them. Uh, or Green Slime. I know a few of his films have incredible casts. You know what the problem with Message from Space is? Those fucking acorns. <laughs> that kills it for me. Kills it. There's just some things you just don't know you're going to hear when you record an episode of GGTMC. <laughs> Todd's got no problem with pink nuts, but lots of problems with fucking acorns. Yep. Which is uh, kind of ironic. It's kind of nuts that you know. It's kind of uh, kind of hypocritical. I mean. These are the That's nuts I, I chose. Mean. Yeah. 
<laughs> moving up in the world of the, anyway. of the nut. <laughs> the nut chose you. Oh. <laughs> uh, but 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 I do enjoy uh, you know like well, of course you know we can go battle royal I mean that I mean yeah the guy ended his career with battle royal too but I don't really know if I think he died during that process I think he died right in the pre production or something but he ended yeah. his career with a video game and a battle royale but I mean he ended his career on a high note in a lot of ways sure uh, well to go up with battle royale at his age he was in his eighties I think and maybe even later later but. I mean, he that's that's going out with a bang and something with a lot of energy and vitality at that point in your life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, we'll, we'll definitely talk uh, Doberman Cop at some point because Arrow put that out as well. We're gonna put the yeah, good old Sonny Chi. That's a fun one, man. Yep. I think he's like, a, if I remember correctly, he's like a bumpkin kind of cop in that one, and yeah, like a hillbilly. He goes into Tokyo and starts whipping ass, yeah. so. doing Sonny nice. Shiba kicks, roundhouse kicks. Sonny Chiba, man. <laughs> Chiba Chiba. Uh, that's pretty much all the notes that I got, guys. So whoever wants to jump sure. on in, y'all uh, jump on in. Let me let me say this one note. <laughs> I want to say this before I forget. The uh, there's there's very few actors who I appreciate their hair more, but Sugagara is one of them. He has <laughs> yeah, his hair longer than usual in this. Yeah, he has an amazing like his hairline and the way he combs it and the way it looks is like almost perfect to me all the time. It's like like I said, so he's almost like a cartoon character. He's so angular. And stuff, and it fits his face perfectly and stuff. It's almost like a flat top, sort of. I guess it yeah. is, sort of. But it's a little more a little, manicured. Yeah, a little, little Elvis Presley in there. A lot of Elvis dippity do in here. We should say that. Early Elvis, yeah. <laughs> a lot of brill cream. <laughs> yeah, those those rooms smell like cigarette smoke, piss, and brill cream. <laughs> oh, yeah. And pink dog nuts. And Johnny Walker <laughs> red. <laughs> yeah. Like, why do these pink, pink dog, these, dog nuts, these pink so dog nuts smell like nacho chips? I don't understand. Ooh. <laughs> 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, well, sorry. Hey, no, 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 it's all good. It's all good. Uh, what do I want to say? So, before I forget, um, the Blu ray of this, uh, it's got some pretty cool supplementals. Not a ton, ton, ton. Yeah, not but, a lot. Um, an interview with the um, Fukusaku biographer, which gives some context and some nice little history into the film and whatnot. As Sadao uh, Yamane or Yamane or something. Yeah. And there's like uh, a visual uh, essay, too, like by some Yamani? guy. Yamani, there you go. Yeah, that would work, I think. Yeah. Um, that visual essay, visual, though, I would have wouldn't have mind that guy just do a commentary track on the film itself. Well, but. Tom Mess is he's really an expert in this field, yeah, right? That's so I was hoping he kind of just they'd have a commentary by him, but oh well, would have been good. Um, the Blu-ray I think looks good, not great. It's as good as it's gonna look, certainly. I think yeah, yeah. Um, it's at times some of the interiors. They're like a kind of a dirtier version of like a Melville. This is the way he frames his shots, and it's clean, like it's it's cleanly framed to me, but it's still kind of dirty, but like a grimy. It's like you know, man on the street stuff, which Fukusaku always did well, sort of gangster on the street, which is where I think that and sort of the kinetic energy of his his camera work is where you get a lot of the Scorsese um, kind of that through line with those two, right? Um, yeah, that, and like I said, there, there's not a lot of like. Like Scorsese sometimes gets obsessed with food preparation in his movies, but there's not a lot of that. But there is the you know a lot of people around the table eating or drinking. Oh, there's a lot of and and, and the film feels very overpopulated and crammed. It's funny. There's two films this week. One is very spare and isolated, despite being in New York City, 
One is in, you know, Tokyo, let's say. I mean, it's a fictional place in Japan, but, and it's just, the ca- the frame is always crawling with bodies. Yeah, yeah. there's like so many people. I mean, I, I mean, oh, I, it's man. to the point where I'm like, I would be uncomfortable eating in that environment. I'm like, dude, scoot over. Scoot over, man. I know. What's fun? Have a glass of water in their vehicle before? Yeah. <laughs> Bunta does? Yeah. Like, I don't know. It's Works, back, I guess. Back before the day of the tumbler, man. Back before the before day the, the Contigo and the fucking Yeti cup and everything else, <laughs> yeah. man. Yeah. Man, he would have two handed to do with a Yeti cup in the face. I gotta say, eat, eating boiled eggs and drinking water, gross. Uh, yeah, you need some. You gotta different. have some with flavor. That paste, yeah, that pasty yolk film yeah. left oh, on the glass. Fuck. <laughs> it was just I'll gonna fucking what. float around in your mouth with the fucking it'll, water. Oh, it'll, it'll get in the water. Gross. It'll get in the water. Yeah. Oh, that fucking backwash. Fuck. Come it's on! Bad. I'll tell you, man. I don't mind sharing a cup with like my family or like one of you dudes. I'd share like a cup. Or, hey, like, hey, you want to sip? Try this. Yeah. But the one food that it's off the fucking table for me to share shit with anyone is if you've had eggs, and I see like that, <laughs> like that yolk film on your glass. Man, it's game over. Yeah. I'm not, I don't care if that's my son, my blood, man. I'm not sharing shit. Yeah, that's gross. There's no way I'm drinking from that cup. That's disgusting. <laughs> and I'm not like, you know, I, I'll lick my I'll eat my kids' ice cream cones after they've ate half of them. Like, they're my kids. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'll eat gum out of their mouth. I don't care. Yeah. But, man, that yolk cup, that's a bad move, man. That that's is. repulsive. Yeah. But back on point with Bunta. Bunta has a little kind of thrown together ascot game early on too which is amazing what's really amazing is when he slaps those guys man that first slap i laughed at how quickly he fucking slapped that dude (laughs) he's like (laughs) he slaps like four or five dudes quick and the first guy gets it so fast you don't even see it coming yeah it's like mo howard he's just fucking plowed him out man he's giving him out and it's good though because it establishes him as like the hard man right and like you said, you're not sure at this point if is he Popeye Doyle. But then as the film goes on, you know, the thing that's really great about this film, as I said, is that is that the water is muddy and you don't know who's who. And like I said, Fukusaku is a good enough filmmaker to, for that to be by design. It's not happenstance. Um, and exactly. as the film goes on exactly. and we see more of the historical context in reference to things that were happening in Japan, post-World War II, um, decisions people made that grew up together, they were classmates. I think you see all this sort of twist of fate, turn of the coin stuff that goes to show really, I mean, it's all the same thing, right? One's on one side of the badge, others on the other. So, but at the end of the day, what does that really mean? Um, because the Yakuza is so ingrained in Japanese society, legitimate business and everything else, right? Mm-hmm. Um, there's some amazing bass guitar in this to open the yeah, film up. Yeah, it's got a funky. <laughs> so, it's got a very black exploitation s type score. Does. It does. Even my mom was like, "Yeah, James Brown." Yeah. Blah, blah. yeah. Or like, um, she thought it was like Isaac Hayes. I'm like, "No, no, wow, that'd wow, been cool." Wow, wow, wow. Yeah, it was amazing, man. Yeah, it was amazing. Um, is it weir- is uh, it weird that I want a hard boiled egg right now? No, because I want. Uh, healthy. I've been craving. <laughs> I have a, I mean, a major, major craving. I'm going to pitch it hard to my wife today because when my cousin's coming over to watch some football, I have a major craving for fucking deviled eggs right now, man. Oh, yeah. Those are good. <laughs> oh, oh, God. I'd love to smash like 15 deviled eggs right now. Oh, God. That sounds good. <sighs> I might do the God, same I thing. Hate deviled eggs. Deviled oh, eggs are so good. If you hate them, you hate them. But, man, if you love them, oh. God. You don't like them, Todd? Oh, sure. No, no. 
I'm surprised. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not a huge egg guy to begin with. Like oh, I'll have them. Every, sure I, <laughs> <laughs> I'll have an omelet every now and again, you know, along that line. But in general, like eggs, eh, not so much. No fuck with eggs. Nah. That's cool. Um, how, how subtle is, uh, what's his name in this? The bald, uh, the bald Don. Um, oh yeah. What's his oh, name? Oh, uh, no, I can't think of his oh, name, but he's like, are you a virgin? Let me pop your cherry. And yeah. he's just gropey. Just it was gropey. Uh, Tomoyasu. Tomoyasu, yeah. He the is assemblyman. Such, yeah. So fucking gropey. Um, he's got a voice, too. He's like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so gross. He's so gross. Uh, how about Raiko Ike, man? Little mistress action. Yeah, yeah buddy. Raiko showing up, man. Too bad she didn't, you know, an actress of her skill, um, but again, you know, this wasn't what the film was going for, right? But it would have been cool to see her have a little more to chew on because she's she's a tremendous screen presence. Um, There's a lot of nudity in this film. The people should, uh, I mean, I was surprised at the amount of nudity in the movie. Well, my my mom saw that gross, sweaty sex scene with all the wine <laughs> spilling, and I was like, okay, uh, I'm putting this off. She, le- she leaned over and go, you want some eggs? <laughs> yeah, I know. It's eggs. Uh, what's up, trying, trying to leave the room. You want some hard-boiled eggs? <laughs> Jesus, I know. But then, but okay, so that was awkward enough, and I just kind of look away from the screen, and and then my kids came down, uh, like I said, with another titty shot, and I was like, "Kid, game over, man." Well, they also <laughs> that interrogation scene almost goes full frontal too for the uh, Hawaiian shirt Yakuza man. Well, they uh, my my kids say, well, "What's what's happening?" I said, well, "He's a bad guy. They're trying to humiliate him and and get some answers." Yeah. Um, and evidently, you know, I think that uh, that uh, writer that of the Fukusaku biography, they the actor agreed to really be hit. Oh wow, that's that massive! Scene. So they really, they really beat the shit out of that guy. It's Daniel Day Lewis shit, man. Yeah. Yeah. I don't even know if Daniel Day Lewis. Well, I guess in the boxer he may have, but I don't even know if Daniel Day Lewis would be like, "Yeah, go ahead, and hit me. Go ahead, please." That's crazy. Um, Kazuo Kasahara wrote this. He wrote the first four Yakuza paper films. Um, obviously, he worked with uh, Kinji quite a bit. Um, what else do we get? There's so much sneering, posturing as only Japanese films can do, which we've talked about. Um, man, I don't know if you saw. This is just such a minor throwaway note, but there's the one uh, Yakuza dude. He's got an all white suit on and a black shirt, and the black suit is completely unbuttoned, but it's tucked in. Yes, <laughs> that's a DGTMC move right there, man. Yes. Very DGTMC. <laughs> um, socks with flip flops, always a bad move. Yes. Yeah. Those are terrible, 100%. especially especially the thong style ones, right? Uh, come on, doesn't that's make hot. any sense. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. Makes no sense. I mean, you going for like the tabby tabby boots? Like, <laughs> what's happening, man? Um, Talk about the Twilight Zone. Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. Um, sex education isn't so easy. That was one of the lines in the film I got a kick out of. Uh, what else do we got? Yeah, that here? was right after the uh, sweaty sex scene. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That's right, that's right, that's right. Got a teacher. Got a teacher, fucking. Yeah. Oof. We got a decapitation in this, man. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and, oh, yeah. you know, that's a fun scene. Again, it's sort of, um, um, there's lots of chaos. It's very frenetic. It's kinetic. Um, you know, there's just, the energy is on screen. You're that, the men of a certain age. Um you know, I feel like that one stabbing scene is very realistic in a lot of ways. That seems to me like I've never been obviously I've never been around a real murder and stuff, but that seems to me more like what a real stabbing would go like, right? You try to fight him off or 
and you get stabbed a couple times, but you still try to keep fighting because you're trying to survive, right? And they're all, yeah, that's, they're all oh, in the room. Scene. Oh, the, when, when the guy ambushes the, the apartment? apartment. Yeah, I'll yeah. tell you, that is a fantastic, yes. fantastic. It's brutal. It's punchy. Um, I mean, it's it's how violence should be shot. It's and just that, great. That is two rats in a cage. That's oh, man. Great, great spot on. Spot on. Two uh, um, two balls in a pink sack. That's two <laughs> balls in a pink sack fighting, jockeying. Uh, slapping all over. Fugasaku was all about the melee. Yes. Like, oh, yeah. Melee for days. Uh, what else do we got? Uh, I should also say there's a lot of car stuff in this film. A lot of cars screeching and. Screeching tires and different cars. and Yeah, no, there totally is. Um, I love that. I, I, I wonder now, seeing this, right? And, and just. If Thomas Millian, like, he seems like how animated he is when he's a gangster in films, I never really put this together, seems to be directly influenced by how animated a lot of the Yakuza are in these films. Yeah, I mean, I guess it could be. Like the way he's just sneering and chewing gum and they're kind of constantly moving that, that energy. Yeah, right? I think it kind of goes back to old, this ancient acting anyway, probably the first acting. I mean, I think you get people on stage and stuff, you had to stand out if you were a bad guy and... I mean, obviously, you had to do something, bring something, right? Yeah, you had to maybe a posture, or maybe just a type of, you know. Obviously, there probably wasn't cigarettes back then. Probably a different type of. I imagine there might have been tobacco, but maybe not. You know, the standard cigarette and stuff. There's a lot of chewing on cigarettes in this movie. A lot of. Well, that's what made me think of him originally was the chewing on cigarettes because he he always eats his cigarettes, man. Yeah, a lot of the, the a lot of the, the holding the cigarette erect. In this, yes. Well, there's lots of yeah, lots of uh, <laughs> dick swinging. This is a very dick swinging movie. Yeah. Um, I love, 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 love the look on Bunta's face when his hand is forced at the back end of the film. Yep, yep. That's a great moment. A great moment of acting. That's a great payoff in the film emotionally. Um, I think it works great. Great. <laughs> oh, right. uh, See, I'm not it, the only one. Yeah, you're not, man. You're in Daffy Ducking this morning. Daffy Ducking it. Um, but I think it's a great moment. Fudding it up. Is that fudding it or is that Porky Pig in it? I don't know which, which, which you guys it's are fudding because he was very, very quiet. <laughs> very, very yeah, quiet. Very quiet. Um, <laughs> but yeah, we see, you know, the back end. You know, you play the game or you pay the price, right? Um, yeah, those are my notes. So it so comes down to a the, lot more, but we've been going strong here for a while. Yeah. So it goes to the pivotal question, you know, you have to ask, did Elmer Fudd like boiled eggs? I, I, he I would say yes. He was, a, uh, he was a hard-boiled egg-peeling motherfucker. Yeah, he, he was. was. Yeah, I got yep. it. He was, too. He probably bit around the yolk and then saved the yolk yeah. for, like, the dessert. <laughs> he would mash them all into yeah. like a little ball. I really want deviled eggs, though. I'm telling you, I'm going to push hard for those today. <laughs> yeah. Fuck, I can't wait. Oh, I hope. Because I can't make them worth shit. When I think about boiled eggs, I think about Angel Heart, and I think about Robert De Niro cracking. Ooh, that gross yeah, yeah. nail, his pinky nail or yeah. whatever. Uh-huh. Yeah. His nails were all long. Well, he cracks what it. And he, he like rolls it on the ground. It's like, oh, gross. Yeah, it's a thumbnail. It was a long thumbnail uh, followed oh, yeah. to a point. Yep. It's, it's bad for white coke, coke finger. Yeah, I wouldn't want a pointy finger. Out. Ooh, tear that taint, yo! <laughs> Ooh, yikes! yikes. <clears throat> tear yeah, my, man. tear my boot. Catch up your pink balls. Jeez. Oof. I wish mine were still pink. Anyway, uh, <laughs> yeah, they're just all kinds of colors. It's yeah. a fucking cornucopia down there. They've aged the now. They've aged now. They're starting to wonder yeah. if you know if I'm African American down there or something. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> Ain't it funny? And they get no fucking sun whatsoever. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, they get darker. What What is up with yeah, that? What is up with that? What is up? What is going on? 
<laughs> I, Luckily, ne- yeah. I never exposed that to the sun. Hardly, well, <laughs> hardly ever. Anyway, <laughs> unless I'm, unless I'm looking, thing, I guess, right? Unless I'm peeking out the window. Excuse me. I don't really have a whole lot. Yeah, I don't really have a lot more to add. I just think that you know, this is kind of one of those fun crime films that. You know, you're not, you're not rooting for a good guy versus a bad guy. You're kind of into the relationship, and you're kind of into the way that's going to play out. And there's that brotherhood element to it. Um, so you kind of end up kind of tied to both sides of the argument. You kind of end up thinking, well, you know, the cops are right here, and the Yakuza, this is not really – what they're doing isn't really that bad. Um, but obviously they're doing some bad things, and the cops are doing some bad things. And it's it kind of gets you into that world where you're in that gray area where you're almost – you know, it's kind of that world where Scorsese and – and uh, certain filmmakers kind of thrive, you know, where the bad guys are kind of cool and the good guys are kind of bad, but they're kind of cool and, you know, not a reality that you'd want to live in. But, well, at least I don't think most people would. But it kind of plays in that field, and I, I really enjoy that. Um, also really enjoy, you know, living vicariously. You know, I used to be a smoker. Uh, I don't I don't know if Todd still is. I know that Will used to be, but oh, I, live, yeah. I live vicariously through watching characters smoke this much. <laughs> Uh, smoke all kinds. Yeah, it it almost makes me want to smoke, but it's 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 just it's just fun to watch them, you know, fire it up and and they just you know it's just cool the way they do it. I like that one time when uh, Kenji he's a uh, he's like he makes a uh, uh, Kuno leave and he's puffing like a motherfucker as he's walking past him. He kind of Kuno kind of bumps shoulders with him, but he's puffing like it's a cigar. He's just like <laughs> you know he's just puffing like a son of a bitch. He's very animated, and I really enjoy that in these type of films because I think the more animated certain characters are, the more they do stand out because they, like you said, it's not, it, it's always weird when you say that with the foreign films, because there's almost like a hint of like this race thing when you say, yeah, I can't figure out who's who and blah, blah, blah. But it's not that so much. No. It's just the crowdedness of a scene like that. And it's usually in Japanese films. I find they put a lot of people in a scene and if people don't yep. stand out, it is hard to kind of decipher what's going on. I think you know all films yeah, have, especially when a lot out. of them, especially when a lot of them say the same things yes. in the same ways. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. So you know, one character has to have like sunglasses on all all times of the day. One character has to oh, have yeah. the Hawaiian shirt. One character has to have the zoot suit on at all times. One character mm-hmm. has to have, you know, the jacket the on. Shirt. Well, yeah, the jacket on, but not the arms and the sleeves. That's a weird thing. That, that happens a lot too. <laughs> I don't understand that one, but whatever. <laughs> You know, there's people that carry the jacket over the shoulder with the one finger hook. You know, they just you you have to decipher and you have to make things different. And I think he does a pretty good job of that in this film. Uh, there's just like you, we talked about. There's a secondary kind of brotherly friendship in here where two guys that used to go to school with each other. One of them turned out good. One of them turned out bad, depending on your point of view. I like the way that kind of pays off. It's kind of almost sad in a way, uh, and almost kind of comedic. I'm kind of befuddling and kind of like what the fuck are you two guys doing just calm down and <laughs> everything will be all right but they kind of go a little too far and i like that there's also that kind of weird almost homosexual type moment between the boss when he gets out and that guy kind of like i mean you know maybe oh there was yeah yeah i mean did you guys get that vibe that's the vibe oh, I totally got. yeah big time i didn't know if that if it was the only one that got that vibe or you know or not but I, I felt like you know they were looking on like oh okay so the boss has kind of moved on you know he's you know. He spent some time in jail, you know, things, you know, perspectives change, life changes, you know, whatever, each, to each their own, they make their own decisions, but I found that interesting. Uh, just, just a lot of stuff I found interesting about the film, all the blackmail elements, all the uh, sleeping around, 
all those elements of stuff. And it is a very macho, um, you know, very chauvinistic type movie. It's not the kind of movie that, <laughs> you know, you sit around and say, hey, hey, babe, you want to watch a movie that will really get you appreciating the way men treat women? Yeah. It's not one of those type movies. So it's no. not, maybe not a good movie for kids either in that way right because oh definitely not it's yeah it's not, not an example film yeah it's, it's a very no. ugly you know very ugly kind of male dominated culture type movie so yeah. definitely a movie that i don't you know i don't really know if these type movies would get made now so <clears throat> excuse me no lose them out maybe voice, in other countries movie. yeah maybe still. maybe in other countries still yeah i don't know about american films unless they're low budget you know. uh, yeah yeah very low budget and yeah yeah films, you're not gonna you're gonna have to Dig and all kinds of other shit. Yeah, time. yeah. There's too much. It's a very heavily, heavily political climate right now. So, mm-hmm. um, that's about all I got, though. I mean, I really enjoyed it. This is the first okay. time watch for me, and I, I thought it was a little long in the tooth sometimes. Yep. Like there may have been one too many meetings about the land yes. deal, and maybe one too many meetings <laughs> about this and that. But other than that, I th- you know it, it flowed pretty nicely, and I like the characters, and I really like that relationship a lot. I mean, it. I like films where there's a a sense of brotherhood and there's that sense of betrayal in there because I mean that that's that can be at the source of all relationships we've all had relationships that have ended badly and and um not to say all of our relationships will I hope my most recent relationship doesn't and I'm sure we all do that but the at the same time that's reality I mean life sometimes gets in the way and sometimes you have to make decisions that aren't aren't comfortable so it's very interesting, but that's all I got. So if you guys want to do the scores and make or breaks. All right. Uh, make or break for me is the scene with uh, Kuno when they're searching for the, the one guy and he, he finds uh, he finds him in a, a stack of hay, I think it was, or something. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, the you know, he offers up the lighter. And, uh, you know, Kuno has to make a decision. I think that the scene really fully illustrates uh, Kuno, who he is, and what the film is about and survival. And, uh, yeah, I just really, it brought it all home for me, uh, probably as clear as it ever could, uh, throughout the entire movie. Uh, MVT is, uh, Fukusaku and the gritty texture that he creates in the, in the film. Uh, he really does a great job of it. Like Sammy said, I think that the movie does get a little long in the tooth and that's kind of where I was going with the whole, uh, you know, what I said about it sprawling in the first half. Um, but it's still very, very good, and it's still as good a Toei film of this era as any uh, that you're ever going to find. Uh, score for me is a 6.75 out of 10. And, uh, yeah, I'll be revisiting this at uh, at some point, um, but uh, not too fast. But, yeah, I will absolutely get back to it again. Nice. All I got. Okay. Make or beak. Uh, I'm going to go with that sort of that facial expression from Bunta. I think that goes to show that's one of the few moments in the film where instead of just sort of um, being stoic and tough and tightly coiled, like there's like this emotional response. Yeah. Um, or as much emotional response as someone who's hardwired, re-hardwired himself to be like macho man all the time can give. Um because we see the effect it's had on his life otherwise, right? Um, with his divorce, impending uh, situation with divorce and everything else. MVT, I'm going to go with the script. Um, I just think it works really well. Uh, and Kazuo Kasahara probably doesn't get a lot of credit for weaving together a lot of information. Uh, my score is an 8.25 out of 10. I think this is a fantastic film. And the more I think about it, uh, Fukusaku is the kind of filmmaker who, um, much like the Coen brothers, uh, he makes a film that 
for like a hot minute, I'm like underwhelmed. And I'd seen this before. So, I mean, that this wasn't this time, but a lot of his, like when I'd seen a few of his films or Cohen's, I think, well, that, that was good. I'm like, well, wait a second. No, that was really good. Yeah. Um, and then kind of it gives a chance to, to, it's not as sort of technically astounding as a Kubrick or something, but you know, it's, it's still quite good. So yep. if you're influencing, uh, Billy Friedkin, if he thinks you're a fucking god, then you're doing something right. So, yeah. 8.25 out of 10, poor moi. Yeah, nice. Um, I'll make a break. I'll go with the scene, like I said earlier, with Bunta when he's wasted, the pick of the family. I like how subtle that is. Um, just a little moment with the flashback tied in and stuff. It, uh, I like that these guys have an appreciation for each other, even though they know that they're both kind of on a path to self-destruction in a lot of ways. Uh, they're heavy drinkers, everybody in this film is. We should say that, too. A lot of drinking in this oh, movie. Yeah. Um, my MVT, I go with Bunta. I really like him a lot. He's really just kind of calm and cool, but he does a lot with his face. Like Will said, that one scene, but he does a lot of moments with his face. When his wife shows up, you can see on his face, it's like, oh, fuck. Um, of course, that scene's just uncomfortable. It's all fuck anyway. I mean, it's it's bad, and he's he's not exactly a hero right i mean this is not a you know it's not a glorious person this is not a somebody he's not a white hat. yeah we're not somebody we'd celebrate i mean he's a bit of a shit so uh he's a bit of an elber so to speak the uh but I, I like a lot of the stuff he does with his face the way he reacts to things and stuff and a little subtle he does a lot with his face i mean he just really does that that's to me that's great film acting it's just something that you can't teach some people have it and some people don't but we should, I should also say that Hiroki Matsukata, he does a whole lot of great stuff, too. I mean, he's very over the top, but he does a, he has a lot of great moments where he's, his fa- he has very subtle face changes as well. Um, so you can almost give it to both of them. They're, they're really, really yeah. good together. Which uh, is kind of uh, appropriate, right, yeah. in some ways? Yeah. Because, I mean, it really is a film about brotherhood. Uh, and like I said, very misogynistic in a lot of ways, but also in very male-dominated culture. But also, it, it's about brotherhood. Uh, my score's kind of in between where you guys are. I'm at 7.75. I don't like it as much as Will, but I think I could if I saw it again. And it's something that I would revisit. So I think it's something I'd like more as I go along because, you know, kind of chewing on it here with you guys. But also, I agree with Todd sometimes. I mean, some of it was, I mean, like I said, some of it, like one too many meetings. A little long in the yeah. tooth. Just a little bit. So it's, it's definitely not perfect, but it's, it's somewhere in between for me. But uh, very close to being as close to perfect as you can get in my world. So... It's uh, really good. I would recommend people check it out. Like I said, if you can't afford the Blu-ray or don't want to buy the Blu-ray right away, and you just want to check it out, if you got Amazon Prime, which I know a lot of people do, uh, it's on there right now, so you can check it out on there. So give it a watch. If not, buy the blue. Do all the stuff we normally tell you to. Go to Diabolic DVD, tell them GGTMC, send you blah, blah, blah. Yeah. All right. Yeah, blah, blah. <laughs> blah. Blah. <laughs> and, and freeze frame. Well, either way, you could freeze frame on the pink nuts, so. Yes. Take the Todd challenge and freeze frame the pink balls. Put some. <laughs> let's see if we can get some screen caps up on Facebook. Oh boy. <laughs> let's see if anybody reports us um, <laughs> for pink dog balls. Uh, that's our show for this week. We want to thank Arrow Video again, once again, for everything they're putting out. They're putting yes. out a lot of great stuff, and uh, you know, a lot of there's, a lot of stuff. I, I got to be honest with you, some of the stuff they're putting out, I've never even heard of. There's a Rugger Howard film I can't wait to talk about with you guys. Um. Uh, Legend of the Holy Drinker, I think is what it's called. So, oh yeah, 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 so, yeah, that's right. But I got some stuff I got to send to Todd too. I got two boxes. Two boxes, buddy. Todd loves getting movies in the mail, so don't we all? Don't we all? Yeah, I love getting just about anything in the mail. 
Yeah, I'm not on board with you there. There's some things in the mail I don't I like. like it. <laughs> I'll, I'll take the credit card uh, applications. And I'll take that stuff. I just don't want the credit card. Insurance. <laughs> I don't want anything that says I owe something. No. Uh, <laughs> trust me. Um, next week, we're going to come back. You guys want to talk about what we're doing? Because uh, I've kind of been out of the loop. I know from what you've told me, but you guys may know more details than I do. Okay. Um, we are doing it's time for Toys for Todd's and we're going to try to squeeze as much of these in uh, as we can and then I'm happy to even defer my picks for X amount of time just to get these obligations for a good cause off the table and into your ears or your butts however you listen Um, we're going to be doing a show that when we told Sammy what it was he just laughed at how completely a different suspension these films are but it's still in saying that very ggtmc so first up um we're gonna be doing a film from the safety brothers uh, our dude jason c and the pa picked it it's good times uh it's gonna be a lot of fun i've been really really excited to see this film yeah, i'm glad nice. he's gonna it's always kind of fun when we do a contemporary movie every now and then i like that yeah something, no i agree newer, i yeah. agree it's nice to do so that's the first one and totter what's the other one we're gonna be doing uh, it is 1992's Fighting Spirit, aka King of the Kick Punch, Kick Fox, King of the Kickboxers <laughs> Two. I don't know if you're ever going to escape this kick puncher thing. Ah, uh, that punch kicking thing is just uh, it confuses the shit out of me. I hate it. I guarantee kick punch, you. Death fight. Kick punch death fight. I guarantee you that someone, someone. We'll mess that up and say kick fighting or kick punching next week. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. No, no I doubt. hope not. One hundred percent. It's gonna happen. Yeah, it's gonna happen. Yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, that's that's that is a pretty um, wow. That's a uh, as uh, it's weird. Thither and yon, thither and yon kind of choices as uh, you could possibly. Brian make. Brian D. Um, okay. Okay. Pick this one. It's interesting so that it's considered kick and kickboxers too, because Avedon doesn't even play the same character. Has that ever stopped? Uh, no, it's never stopped anybody. Hong Kong anybody. from. What's interesting is I think he was. A, I think he was uh, his last name, if I remember right, in King the Kickboxers was Donahue. And in this one, it's Carster, but he's in the movie with Sean Donahue. So. And I think, speaking of which, Brian's asked if our good friend, King of the Kick Punching Reviews, Carl Bresden, comes on the show. So. Maybe Carl will join us. We'll, yeah, we'll see. see. If he we'll wants see. to we'll kick see. punch at five a.m. on a Sunday. Yeah, we'll see if he wants to do it. If he wants to do it, he's always welcome to come on. Yeah, I'm on. I think the last time Get we had mic- him, last time we had him on, we did a Sean Donahue joint, didn't we? Yeah. Blood Get hands. his microphone out of uh, Nana's sock drawer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> oh, it man. was. It was a Donahue joint, man. Good call. Yeah, it was Blood Hands. It was. That's what it was. <laughs> Blood Hands, and another amazing title. He managed to get me a guy. <laughs> yeah, no, you can't get a. Much more uh, blunt title than that. What's the name of your action Blood movie? Blood Hands. My, my action movie is Exploding Bullet. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Death Knight. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah you got to have those type of names every now and then. Oh, we got a short and punchy, man. <laughs> Death Knife's good, man. I could see a Death Knife trilogy. <laughs> be good. Uh, okay, so that's what we're doing next week. Until next week, we hope you enjoyed this show. It was good to be back, and I definitely don't plan on going anywhere. Just needed some time. So we will, hopefully, all three of us, maybe even four of us, be back next week. We'll see. Until next week, I will say adios. Adios.
Adios. Thanks for listening. You can find the gentleman at ggtmc.com and you can email the gentleman at midnightcinema at gmail.com. 